we the jury find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder. Nikki Smalls was also embroiled in a rivalry between East and West Coast rapper. His competition, Tupac Shakur. Astronauts getting involved, this is supported. Oh, this is outrageous. I haven't got AIDS. I'm HIV positive. Hello, and welcome to Time. I'm JP. I'm Gareth. I'm Matty. And I'm Liam. And how are we all, lads? It's been a while since uh, since we've seen each other uh, for for one of these. It's been a few months now, hasn't it? And uh, yeah, how are we all doing? All good. All yep. good. All good. Not saying anything else there, are we, lads? <laughs> <laughs> we are back. It's time. We're back in September, two thousand and seven. So, like a very, you know, the question we have to ask at the start of each and every one of these shows. Where were you in 2007? And I'll uh, I'll start off with you first, Liam. Ooh, 2007, I believe I would have been 21. So um, I would have started my first job this year. Um, so, um, yeah, um, 21, um, probably going to clubs, alternating between hip-hop clubs in the week, rock clubs at the weekend, you know, uh, spreading sp- 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 like that, you, you know what? Uh, yeah, because um, new metal was dead by this point, wasn't it, Matty? So um, you had to it's never died, to... Liam. It's never died. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do know what you mean. You, you had to fragment off to get a bit of both, rather than in the early two yeah. thousands, you could just go to the one club and you know you, you, you play you, all that. You, you would get your Cypress Hill into corn, and you know everybody goes home happy, don't they? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, would have been my first job. Um, would have had interest in nothing other than spending a paycheck, going out drinking and speaking to girls. Um, pretty much everything a 21-year-old would do. Um, yeah, would have been at work, would have done my first job. Um, when what I say that? done, when I say, oh, this is exciting. My first job was working in a socket screw manufacturers. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, socket screw manufacturers, you know, if you ever need to know about uh, posi drives, uh you know, fr- all threads, uh, M4- M5 bolts and nuts on your man. I still got that information there, you know. <laughs> and, I, and on recent form, if anybody is looking for an employee, hit me up on a, hit me up on a Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Very timely, although by the time this comes out, you might have had a job. Like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely loads of them and at that point. God, yeah, 21, what a fucking time. Um, Matty, what were you up to, mate? Yeah, I'm same as Liam there, 21. And just, you know what, Liam, you're saying about rap and about uh, metal and stuff. Do you know what, what kind of clubs I was hitting in, in uh, 2007? Was house music clubs, like Society and Garlands. Did they ring any bells to you, Gareth? Them, oh, yeah, yeah. Mate, I was living in there. You know, we made a uh, buff, like, he, was just, he used to work in uh, Garlands. So we used to, well, I did as well. I've done a bit of glass collecting there for a little Pleasure. bit while he was behind the bar. I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably strictly like a uh, not not little six months stink out of one of them little uh, <laughs> do, the, do the little run and then get off. But um, Good tips, brilliant mate. They were yeah. They used to share them out equally as well, which which oh, was sorry. like which was quite good. Like, but it was one of them. 
you never it wasn't really working it was a night out you just walk around the floor <laughs> pretending to collect glasses throw them all in the big washer in the uh, like one of the rooms at the back and then just walk around again have a little dance it was it was great stuff but um but yeah hitting all them clubs and as liam said you know just 21 though boys i mean no offense again, I always get it in early, don't I? Like, he's away all day. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it seems like a guys. long time ding, ding, ago. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Gareth, <laughs> although I think you were, what were you up to at this stage? Just trying to, yeah. September 2007, I was getting married. Yeah. Uh, so, um, this is a very timely month for me, this one. But uh, 29, weirdly. 29 and 21 doesn't sound as big a gap as normal. I don't know why. Like, normally it's because when we've done this in the past, like, I've been, like, at university and, like, Matty and Liam have been, you know, in primary school or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. At least we're both in the same decade at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, when I'm looking at some of the uh, stuff that we're going to, like, cover there with music and films and stuff like that, it just feels like just way off different time for me kind of thing as well mm. like just been at this like proper just out you know obviously like i say getting married this month like work pretty much dominating my life and things like that as well just been like dead heavy on the work front and stuff obviously all the shit you're doing with getting married and sorting all that out and stuff like that so just like i don't know 2007 to me just feels like a full-on year when i'm looking at some of this and i'm thinking there's shit on here that i've never even heard of before and things like that you know so it's a uh, it's wild absolutely wild you were in the same well you were in the same boat weren't you same age anyway give or take a, a week jp exactly so yeah that week makes a massive difference there this is so at this point in time what am i doing i'm just about thinking of quitting my job to start as a try uh, as a to train to be a teacher but also i've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old and so i know it was it was berserk i was looking at stuff on this and i was like i have no, i couldn't even tell you who that was i was just reading names out to vicky going who's that? who's that? who who is <laughs> Who's Sean Kingston? She's just looking at me like I'm a fucking maniac. And I went, I can't believe that was the one you plucked out last time, but I can't believe out of all then you don't know who Sean Kingston is. No idea. No idea at all. Plain white tees. It was like the and that was the weird thing at that point in at that point in time. Is I think there were the things I was into, but we're gonna touch upon it as well. The fact that you had iPods and like kind of Apple music or the precursor to it in iTunes. You had like in some ways it was just like I found the collection I like and that's good enough for me. Like it was almost yeah. like I don't need your new bloody music and, and yeah. things like that. So it was almost like I was it was easy for me to kind of reject a lot of things at that, at that stage because it was just like I've got a limited amount of time and the likelihood is I'm going to fall asleep in front of it as well. But although there's a surprising amount of the films that I've managed to. Uh, I, I was like, yeah. Always your wheelhouse, that CP, that. though, aren't Oh, yeah. yeah and the sport, which, again, I thought things were going to go well. How wrong I was towards the end of, the, towards the end of that. Can I just say, though, boy, that's why I love doing this show as well, because it covers, like, basically the stages of life as well. Like, me and Liam are going out partying, trying to figure ourselves out. Gareth married, and JP's got kids. It's great. That's why it is. It's great. <laughs> the four pillars of life. We've got booze, clubs, <laughs> marriage, and kids, haven't we? For that. Rather than eight, as the show is formatted. Now, yeah. Yeah, eight pillars. We, we're moving away from the, the four pillars that form the, the kind of structure of this show, which is the uh which is music, film, 
sport and TV. That are the, are the four pillars of life. And I've got other people chucking food and stuff like that. And it's like I have to be said, I, I cooked for a subsistence life at this stage. And I'm imagining as 21-year-olds, you weren't exactly thinking and knock up some, some fucking Michelin star stuff on here. Hey, GP, I had to... I was getting stuff on ticket our chippy when I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> Scraps on tick. <laughs> Dark place to be. But yes, that is the, in, in essence, if you haven't listened to the show before, haven't seen the show before, we cover the, the four pillars of life. And, uh, and Matty, what are the, who, what is the order that we're going in? We're going what, in. What are the four, four pillars that we're doing? Our usual order of music first, which, uh, yeah, music, then sport, then film, and then TV. That's the usual order, Liam, isn't it? It's been a while since we've done this thing. That is the one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the one. So I think it's Gareth taking us first with the uh, music, isn't it? So do you want to do your best top of the pops? Considering you're the top of the pops, a uh, religious viewer, you do your best there. Uh, and I won't say who <laughs> to give it the top ten. You pick someone from the history. <laughs> Do my best. What Nicky Campbell? There we go. There we go. <laughs> Probably the obvious better. elephant in the room when mentioning top of the pops. I was waiting for you to shave me there, JP. <laughs> I, 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 I was waiting for JP to butt in there to go and go a bit earlier, but we won't go that early. No but, um, <laughs> we'll. Uh, so yeah, so we've got the uh, pop for the week of. 16th of September to 22nd of September 2007, which is the week before I was married. So I now know what the uh, number one was the, uh, on my uh, wedding day, which I didn't know before. But number 10, we've got She's So Lovely by Scouting for Girls. Uh, number nine, we've got The Way I Are by Timberland featuring Kerry Hilson, whoever that is. Um, we've got number eight, we've got With Every Heartbeat. Banger of a tune with Robin with Clear Up. At seven, we've got Girls Aloud, Sexy No No. Uh, sexy No No No, even, I must have known there. Uh, number six, we've got Shut Up and Drive with Rihanna. At five, we've got, I'm not pronouncing this, AO Technology. You're right. Yep. 50 Cent Timberlake, Tim, uh, Justin Timberlake and Timberland there. Uh, 1973, James Blunt at four. At two, we've got Hey There, Delilah by the Plain White Tees. And the number one, JP's favourite, Sean Kingston, Beautiful Girls. <laughs> oh, what a what a set of tunes that is. Definitely. Any uh, of these on your uh, playlist these all, days? All of these on my iPod uh, <laughs> that I've got from like uh, back at, st- still on there, all of these. But fucking hell, there's, um, there's a mix there, isn't there? I reckon when I first like looked at the list, I was like 50% of these, like. I'm not even sure. I, I don't know never, if I've ever even heard. Well, maybe not 50%, 30% of them never heard in my life uh, sort of thing. So there's definitely things there where like you're going through and watching it like James Blunt, 1973, never heard that in my life. Girls Aloud, never heard that in my life. But um, there's, uh, there's there's some some good tunes there. Good, good, good. When I was like looking into that, like love that Kanye West tune. Love the uh, 50 Cent with uh, Justin Timberlake and Timberland there. Love the um, Robin with Clear Up. Absolute banger of a tune that. I fucking yep. love that. It's such a great, great song. And the uh, 
the uh, the the AIR, the Timberland one, another boss tune as well out there. So reminds me once of I got in, so much that yeah, once I got once I got into it and listened to it, I was like, ah, actually, this is there's some stuff here that I just don't know by name. But actually, when you listen to it, I'm like, ah, oh, some some brilliant tunes there. Probably like a good um, representation of what was just going on in the music world at that time. Really, I think the shift towards um, you know from a genre perspective like moving a bit more towards that, a bit more like electronic, a bit more like hip-hop, a bit more R&B in there and things like that as well. It was sort of like, that's what you were getting, weren't you, really, with the commercial music at this time, like tripping tripping over into there. I guess, uh, Matty, Liam, you two have got some bigger thoughts on some of these uh, songs, given that these were your uh, club-going days. Um, yeah, I mean, JP's put this on first, and as Matty alluded to, Timberland at this point was huge. Uh, he was what well, he, he was quite prolific i had a little list here of um timberland songs around this period uh promiscuous nelly Furtado. well from the people let me just establish this from the period of april 2006 to where we are here in september 2007 promiscuous by nelly Furtado, which he featured on he watched number three sexy back justin timberlake got to number one Give it to me, Nelly Furtado, and Justin Timberlake got to number one. This, the way I are, was number one in June and stayed in the charts up until this point in September. Uh, Apologise from One Republic, which like he featured on as well, that got to number three in the charts. And the lesser known, does everyone remember the Hives track that he produced, which featured the WWE the Divas? Divas in yeah, the yeah, 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 he did as well. And then also this year. He produced three songs on Red Carpet Massacre, which was the Duran Duran album at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the shows you don't leave out like everywhere he was, though. You're right. He was just as, as well as two songs on Volta by Bjork that year as well. So <laughs> Timberland was everywhere. Two years later, he even went on to do um Chris Cornell's solo album, which he yeah. produced the whole album of as well. So um a utility player, if there ever was one, Timberland. Uh, literally all, all styles, all genres, you know, across the board. But Timberland at this period is one of the first things I think of when I think about going to clubs and whatnot is Tim Timberland produced music. That promiscuously and the way I are there, you do it non-stop. It's one of them where you usually go on a night out and you get a couple of songs played a couple of, like, you know, a few times. They would play like four or five times a night and you weren't getting sick of them because they were that good and you were just into them, weren't you? So, AO Technology as well, yeah, another one. I used to actually, and what, what reminds me of this song is like, the K3, like, uh, uh, any listeners from Liverpool here, like, you know, the crazy house, but the K3 was like your pop floor or your, you know, your cheesy, your pop, your dance. Mm. And he put AO Technology on there, JP. And you would have thought Stone Cold Steve Austin walked out at Madison Square Garden. I am not, honestly, I'm not underselling this. The place went ballistic, JP, proper. You could hear the pop over the music. It was that loud. And there were some big speakers in the K3. Just show, ah, oh, just, he was Timberland, like, one of my favourite producers, if we're going back, though, Liam, as, like, into just, if he was strictly rapping R&B, even years ago. One of my favourite producers of all time, like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of a renaissance for his career because up until this point, you would think outside of his record with Magoo, which was a straight-up hip-hop record um, yep. in the mid-90s, you would put him together with uh, Genuine, Missy Elliott, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. 
that's what you would think of with Timberland. And then he kind of got with Justin Timberlake and like there was this like second period of his career, whereas where he's still now quite a prolific producer in terms of popular music away from hip hop and rap, which he initially started with. JJ, any any thoughts on Timberland? I knew fuck all about Timberland, <laughs> which shows you exactly where my head was. For that. So this was just like an absolute education of it. I would agree with you, certainly with like the way I are. Kerry Hilson, and I, again, this is conversation. Thank God, like if Vicky wasn't around to kind of fill in some of the gaps. I was like, Kerry Hilson, you did pretty girl rock, didn't you? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. so there's the odd little bits of it, but you, like. When Liam was speaking about just how prolific he was at that point in time, and you think of the different acts that he's working with as well, and these are kind of like, you know, the people who are the, come like the sort of superstars of the late 2000s into the early 2010s as well. So, I mean, like, what's he up to these days? I'm assuming he's doing all right still. He could be dead for all I know. <laughs> by all accounts he's still producing music I can't think of anything off the top of my head as I'm so far removed from popular music in 2023 yeah. I wouldn't have but he, you do see him pop up now and again um, doing stuff I'm surprised he didn't burn himself out in 2006 and 7 by what you were saying there it looks like he was doing stuff for fucking everybody at uh, this this point like it's just a busy uh, busy boy it's just like weird that you just get like Again, I'm oblivious to fucking half of that, but then you're saying there the volume of stuff that he's doing and the volume of artists he's working with and things like that. Just the idea that like in that concentrated period of time, like like doing doing so much, but like um I mean so, some of the like other stuff on this list, is there anything yeah. that like jumps out to your ear that you think like fucking hell that is a that, that is a tune other than what we've said there that's like really I stands mean- out for you for any reason? Abigail's allowed, Mark, aren't I? So I've got to say, sexy, no, no, no. Oh. Gotta, that's you know, I, I love girls allowed. What are we guilty pleasures? First ever concert I ever went to, boys. No guilty pleasures, mate. Guilty no guilty pleasures. Guilty pleasures. First Golden ever I've told you the story as well about <laughs> I nearly got to the very, very front. I've told that story. I'll have to tell it now. All right. Well, did security stop you? You genuinely did, but I'll tell you why now. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with my sister. And my two nieces, who must have been, what, this is 2009, so my two nieces would have been, like, 16 and, like, 13 at the time. So I got, and my sister's there. So they done a bit where, in, in the concert, where, like, most, like, kissed it with all the rock bands, where they drop, like, a stage in the middle of the actual arena, and they walk across, and they perform, basically, in the middle of the crowd. And, like, we were, like, about five rows from that, so we were quite close anyway. So the, the security was, like, you know, any kids, you could usher them to the front. So I went, sound, I'll take our Amy forward. <laughs> I'll get to the front here. So I can get right, <laughs> right up to them. So the security goes, oh, is that your daughter? So you must have thought I was our Amy's dad. And I made the grand mistake of saying, no, I'm her uncle, it's my niece. He said, well, you can't go through them. It's only your uh, parents and children allowed to go to the front. And I was oh. like, you bastard. <laughs> I could have went to the front. But our Amy, you know, I kept an eye on it. I think our Julie took her forward, but... Yeah, that's my story, man. I was nearly front row, literally front row for Girls Aloud. For me, for me, Girls Aloud are a weird one because I always in my head mm. have the timeline from Spice Girls in terms of the big girl group to Girls Aloud. But Matty, it's your first game of the night that you've waited oh, here for. We go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. More for this so, game, more for this. 
so how so how many number ones do girls allowed have? Ooh. Right. So you go first first two went to number one without even even thinking about it. So that would have been sound of the underground and no good advice. They were number ones. And then this would have been number one. The promise would have been number one. There's four. Um biology. I don't know if that got to number one. I'll just say Liam. I'll just say five. Oh, close. Four number ones, which I thought was quite low. Which I thought was quite low for them. Quite prolific low. top tens, though. Prolific. Prolific. Oh, well, in the in the world of uh in the world of Brucey, higher or lower, little mix number ones. Oh, I'd say definitely higher the way they stream these days. I'd say higher, Liam. Correct, little mix five. Sugar babes, higher or lower with little mix. So higher or lower five. Lower, but just no six sugar babes. Six, six wow. number ones. Uh, all saints. Oh, that's definitely, lower than six. That's, that's definitely lower than six. Five, just one lower. Now. And then the Saturdays, higher or lower than All Saints? They'd be lower. Yep. Saturdays only had one number one, which surprised yeah. me. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's How your broad brush, that? more of which are not. <laughs> How long was Girls Allowed's run? Like, how many years were they? Oh, Dad, they had a few runs, mate. Come on. <laughs> you can't write off Girls Allowed, do you, mate? Saying they're like, um, you said, what wrestling are we comparing the two JP? Gareth thinks they only had a, sh a short little run. Who, who would that be? Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Uh, he, he was, it wasn't. It wasn't a warrior. Spice Girls are Hogan. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. They are. Well, yeah, the, the, spy, the Spice Girls are definitely Hogan <laughs> on this as well. I don't know whether for me, girls allowed are kind of like they've kind of got like a sting vibe to me. They like never <laughs> quite got that big run at the big time, but critically, they were light. Say, JP, I don't know whether or not I'm just matches. basing it all on pure shores and it all just goes from there, really. Just... Gales allowed matches are better than Spice Gales matches, though, yeah? We haven't asked. Spice Gales are bigger yeah. stars, but Gales allowed mm. have got better matches for me. Spice Gales have never had never had that. Uh, they had that one or two big match, Gareth, but not a consistent run of them. I'll I'm tell you what, you. the Sugar Babes were Bret Hart. <laughs> big, big fan then. What version, though? They were like work the uh, Midnight Express getting someone different in all the time. I can work with everyone, can't they? What was that very first like the Sugar Babes song? Like the the very... people are in and out of that place. Overload, Gareth. Overload, Overload. yeah. Oh, that still had the Ginger Girl in there. That was a fucking yeah, belter yeah. of a tune. Yeah, that great, great song, that. Yeah, can we just go around the round the rooms quick then? We'll do we'll do you list them Gale bands uh, again, uh, please, Liam, and we'll give you our favorite tune by each each band. Go on. Okay, I'll start from the bottom up. <laughs> fucking hell. Saturdays. Oh, fucking hell. Up. I like up by them. <laughs> I don't know any. Don't know uh, any. Yeah, so, so uh Atomic Kitten. It's gotta be here whole again, hasn't it? Big tune, that big track. I can't yeah. think of any off the top of my head. I've just got Iceland advert, Iceland advert, Iceland advert. And it might be because I'm seeing Gareth here in picture. Because I like to think that that, that was his parting gift on the world was Kerry Katona doing Iceland ads. Uh, next up, All Saints. He butchered under the bridge, Gareth, didn't he? He yeah, killed yeah. that. He absolutely pure Shores that. is a tune, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, pure, pure, pure Shores, Shores is... yeah. Or Black Coffee what? I liked as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Black Coffee was pretty good as well. I'm just having a look here. Uh, booty call was all right as well. Criminally <laughs> 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 yeah. underrated band, girls allowed. 
And then we had what was the next one up? Uh, Sugar Babes, I think. Overload. We all did we all agree on that? No, no. I'm going Red Dress. I love that. I fucking love that song. Not not that Gary Newman weird cover. That um, oh, I like that Freak Like Me. I like that. Yeah, Freak Freak Like Me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Little Mix. I couldn't name a Little Mix song if you paid me. The one with Stormzy. Is it Power? I like that one. I'll take your word for that. I don't have a clue. Uh, this is where the old man vibes just come. <laughs> we'll get to Spice Girls in a minute, GP. Don't worry. Uh, I'm, fe- I'm feeling closer to the two at the top of the screen than I am at the one at the bottom of the screen. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Are you shy to be getting in? Get yeah. your and uh, Girls Allowed. Um, yeah. What did we say for yeah. Girls Allowed? I do like sexy. No, no, no. That's like a proper like a, that's a that's a hidden gem. That's like Brett Arthur's like barbarian. That kind of. That's what that is. <laughs> I've literally never heard that song in my life. I put it on and I was I waiting know, to like. The problem I was this is the to... IWC, Liam. Sorry, Gareth. That's the IWC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that. I, I, I'm a big fan of Call the Shots. I think Call the Shots is a very IWC shot song for them. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I, that's the only one I know. It's called the Sound, Shots. Sound of the Underground. Is that? Yeah, it? You know, Yes. Is, that, is that Girls Allowed? Yeah, yeah. Sounded yeah, that's when they won the pop star show, isn't it? That was the, the song they come out with. Oh, yeah. I'll go with that one. Even though I was a, a big one true voice guy, but I'll go with the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> could, 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 have had, could have had Love Machine, called the Shots, The Promise. Ooh. The show. Jump. Not yeah, Paul White. Something new. Yeah, something, something kind of who. Don't know that one, JP? Don't, don't oh. ring any bells? He went, ah, oh, bad songs there, Matty. <laughs> no good advice. I'll stand by you, cover. Oh, I don't mind that one. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a good best of, boys, I tell you. <laughs> Glorious stuff there. I mean, this is the thing. Like I meant to say, like, cracking band All Saints. I, I, I don't know. And it might have been the fact that they went out with the two Liams, didn't they? One from the product, Liam Howlett and Liam Gallagher. Yeah. Oh, oh, the, those are the two limbs. Thanks, mate. Yeah, the, those. <laughs> <laughs> Spice Girls. Best Spice Girls song. Ooh. I like Spice Up Your Life. I like my, repu- my, re- my reputation is going to take a tank in here. It is, two, Liam. Two, two become one. Two become one. Yes. Yeah. Christmas song is a good track. Oh, goodbye. I was always a fan of goodbye. That was a good. Uh... That was a good tune. That bit slosh for you, that Gareth. You are. Bit sloshy for you, bit of a ballad for you. Yeah, two two become one, but it might be because it was played at the end of discos and stuff like that. We went to, so. <laughs> is that is that actually about safe sex, that song? Or am I getting yeah. fooled all these years? Is it yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was one when you got up when you were made up really? about that when you were younger. I was- yeah, JP. <laughs> It's yeah, eight I'm years not. old when I learned. Put it on, put it on, JP. <laughs> Tonight, put it on, put it on. <laughs> come on. It didn't come out in, in September 2001, but there we go. Yeah. Uh, so, ba- ba- based on our previous editions of Time, uh, JP has uh, admitted to liking you too. And uh, <laughs> cu- 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 currently in the news, top loader. <laughs> so, um, Fan of James Blunt by any chance, JP? Nineteen seventy-three is that on your uh, his rotation? Twitter feed? Yes, like I have to say, he was bloody great value on not taking any shits from anyone on there. I never. It was it was like 
people I listen who listen to James Blunt, it's one of the things. I wasn't necessarily like the oldest of dads. So one of the things was it was like what some of the older guys and we are not like them. I don't listen to that. I'm happy in my mid nineties to very early two thousand zone here and I'll and I'll stick within that. So he kind of I heard him and I just thought ages used to go anodyne and everything else. Although he himself seems like he's quite funny. He just makes music. I've, I, I hear it and it just goes in one ear and out the other. And I kind of feel the same way about Ed Sheeran. Really well, that's, the, that's, that's the equivalent of a story I heard when I was a kid that one of the fellow dads said to my dad, do you like Lighthouse Family? And I've never seen my dad in such a rage in my whole <laughs> life at the mere suggestion that some other dad says to him, oh, do you like the Lighthouse Family? <laughs> <laughs> not, not as much as he likes Dido, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's exactly where he would have been. Everybody listens to you. Bring up the Twitter feed there, though, with James Blunt, and that's the ultimate like babyface turn. That one, isn't it? Because yeah. it was just someone who he just had just nailed down as just like shite music, just for oh, he's a cunt kind of thing. But then the fucking the Twitter the Twitter feed, you're just like ah, what a guy! Like just like good, uh, good, just comebacks and all that on everybody just like great little one-liners and stuff just a proper uh proper u-turn there on blood i don't know how familiar you guys are with this song outside of listening listening to it for this mm. but you know these songs about partying in ibiza <laughs> you wouldn't guess it from the video would you <laughs> no was he all. not in the army at that point as well I think I think he'd left by this point, but this whole oh, thing okay. yeah. party in an IP. Because <laughs> I always think to myself, if this is about Squaddy's party life and IP, then there's stuff he's crucially leaving out in all of this that I'd imagine. Fight with the police, for example. Like, you know, you, you kind of expect him to start bringing that up. I mean, there. this looks like the shittest party in IP ever. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what this is, like, fucking James Blunt in his leather jacket, going past wooden pallets and stuff like that. It it's not what I've got in my head when I think about a fucking night out in Ibiza. But uh, I mean, it would have uh, been funny if we cut to him being in an Only Fools and Horses theme bar, eating ham, egg, and chips, or something like that. I would have like, I would have preferred him to do that instead. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've gone through the top 10 there as well, but it's just like, it's a funny like year for music as a whole. Like 2007, I was just looking at like some albums that were released that year, just trying to get my head around. It's like, okay, well, if I wasn't listening to this, what was I listening to? And then, like, you had like range of like different stuff was released here, like Radiohead in Rainbows, MGMT, uh, Oracular Spectacular, Arcade Fire, Neon Bible, um, LCD Sound System, Sound of Silver, Arctic Monkeys. Um, Favorite worst nightmare. Never an Arctic guy, you know, Gareth. Ever, never. Lincoln Park, minutes to midnight. Yeah, I bet you uh, had that. Yeah, if the I stop after that, dog. That's me limit. The first two, and it'd be top five of all time. And then I stop. Minutes to midnight was all right to be fair. And then I stop after that guy. They go too much, like they veer off a bit for me there after that. But I was I was struggling here. I was looking and I was thinking, well, what was I listening to? And then I just realised, oh, nothing then kind of thing. Like around this time, I was clearly just like stuck still listening to like night and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because you had things here like Queen, yeah, yeah, Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters had an album out, White Stripes, Sicky Thump was out. So that was like uh, good, like um, that year. But yeah, not not tons here that I was like looking picking up myself. I think the one album that was here though that. It's on the list here that was referenced that I did buy and I did love at the time, which might surprise you. Is is Kanye graduation, and that's like one of the things that's on the uh, on the list here. And you know, it's sort of almost like written down here as the 
Kanye's graduation versus 50 Cent's Curtis. Um, I don't know if um, Big wall, Liam, you've got a bit of ba- there's a yeah. bit of backstory on this one, Liam. Uh, there is um, basically um, 50 Cent said he would retire if he didn't sell more albums than Kanye West's graduation. Both of them were released on the same day. Um, 50 Cent pretty much made a run for his own back at this point because I think 50 Cent was. I think the greater music listening public had moved on from 50 Cent at this point. Um, Matty, you were a big 50 Cent man. Where were you? Where were you at this point? Were you a Curtis guy when you bought it? Yeah, and all See, like my mates weren't though, Liam. That's the thing as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt that um, his first album, um, or the first big album, uh, Get Richard Die Trying, that was massive, absolutely huge. Classic. And I think it was I think it was an album that people wanted at that time. Um, Gangster Rapid kind of died off, and that that coming out also getting the endorsement of Dr. Dre and Eminem at that time as well as an artist that were under their wing made it a huge album, but also just that album as it was, you could just tell the hunger in 50 cent to release an album at that point. Curtis was released and it was more, or from my point of view, it was more 50 cent is now a businessman who is selling headphones, selling vitamin water, selling trainers, selling clothes and music was secondary to him. Whereas Kanye West at this point was very in touch with what I think the hip hop public wanted. And I don't think that was anything premeditated. I think it was more so the fact of music had moved on towards his sort of sound. Just for instance, with graduation, some of the samples that are on there, you've got Steely Dan, obviously what we've got on here, uh, which Stronger is a Daft Punk sample. It was stuff that wasn't heard before in mainstream hip-hop that was in the charts, what Kanye West did with Graduation. And ultimately, it ran rings around Curtis at that point. And I don't, and I don't think 50 Cent ever really recovered in terms of album sales or anything. The perception of 50 Cent has always been after that, that he was a tear down from someone like Kanye or so, which when looking back and looking back at something like Get Rich or Get Die Trying, he was the biggest rapper in the world at that point. Biggest music star, and that's right. Yeah. I mean, that was like you did the nail on the head. I can't even, as a 50 guy, I can't deny what you've just said. Like, even the second album, The Massacre, that still shifted units, didn't it? He was still, like, you know, still a big deal. And he was when Cage was come up, but as you say, Kanye just come out. And I was never, was never a Kanye guy, and I never have been either, to be honest. But all my mates were like your crewies and like your Gary's and me, Joey, my mates. They were well, Joey, maybe not because he was 50, but. Like what you're saying, Liam, there, the, the public who kept up with it, it was shifting towards Kanye West. And yeah, you can't deny what he's done, like. So you see, you see me there as not like a not a massive like hip hop guy or anything like that. Like, this was, I fucking love this, love this album when it came out. You know, I wasn't buying a lot of new music at this time, but I fucking bought this when it came out. And it was just like, it felt like evolution kind of thing. It, yeah. it really, it really felt like something new and different and things like that with the, the the electronic side to it and things like that as well that was in there it just it just felt like a, a step beyond and it definitely felt like innovative innovative to me and you know it's still like it's one of those now where like my 
Mrs. Sarah, she'll be like with all like a Kardashian stuff and all that, and you just see Card, you just see Kanye being a bell end and things like that on that TV show and things, and I'm just like, oh, what happened to that guy? Like that guy who I actually loved that album, like in 2007, and it's just it's just mental what's uh, what's happened to him. But this is yeah, this is still one that I throw on now, like great great stuff this yeah like you say in there i think also that played into a lot of this i mean matty would not like if i didn't produce the numbers so i have the numbers in front of me i was gonna ask billboard hmm. album billboard album sales for this record so uh 50 cents curtis on the first week of it is 691,000, where graduation did 957,000. It's like an XCNAW this week, that they're looking at this. Was Ed John Curtis's album? The Undertaker turns up at the end of Kanye's album. There was that one song that started with You Think You Know Me. Can I just say, though, on Curtis, though, I know it did get panned as well, really, but I do like I Get Money, is it? That's a big, yeah, which that's was a single, like, yeah. That's like one of 50's last hurrahs, as in like, you know, that sound he has, and it was in-your-face type thing before he did go all ballady, and he'd come back. As you say, he never maybe had the albums later on, but he had like Baby By Me with Neo, and he always dropped yeah. them songs in, didn't he, with that, and he went that route. But, but, yeah. like, you were saying, like you were saying earlier about Timberland, in terms of songs you always remember from the club, I Get Money was a massive songs in, in the club when that was released. I remember that. And a lot, a lot. I think a lot of that played into that Kanye West, like Gareth was saying about that Kanye West album, is it was with it using samples that were familiar to people who did not necessarily listen to hip hop and the subject matter. It did cross over to other things. It wasn't just mm. hip hop radio shows or hip hop radio stations that would play Kanye West. It would cross over onto something like, I don't know, like a Steve Lamack show. And yeah, you yeah. would be exposed to it via that rather than having to seek out hip-hop. And I think that was the strength of Kanye's record. And I also think this whole feud that was created by 50 Cent about, I'm going to retire if I don't sell enough. If you look at 50 Cent's best work, it's always been stuff that he's kind of created a beef to justify the narrative. Every one of his records is built around having an issue with somebody or something. And I think that's what his narrative was with this record. Whereas now, after getting beaten in this and growing older, I think he still tries to do the same. But it's almost like nudge, nudge, wink, wink with some of his feuds and his rivalries and what he says on Twitter and stuff. There's a bit of self-awareness with him. Whereas at this point, it was, I'm calling you out. I'm going to sell more records than you, but I didn't. And I think ultimately that did kind of pull him back in terms of who he was and where he stood in the um, grand scheme of things of rap. Liam, are you a full-on Kanye guy? Like, did you, did you follow no. all his albums? No, no, you're not, no. To be, surprisingly, up until about this point, I like Graduation. Anything after that, I'm not a massive fan of. Mm. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the bigger, more revered records of his. I like Late Registration, um, college dropout, the, the first one. College, college dropout. I like that. I like the, up until like eight oh eight and heartbreaks when it's all synthesizer. I was going to say that's the, the IWC yeah. one for me. That I think people love that, don't they? And then like yeah, and heartless then, and stuff. Heartless. My, my twist, my twisted dark fantasy is usually the one that people call his best record. But no, oh, okay. I jumped. I I jumped off at a point with him. He, um, I just 
didn't think the hype and the critical acclaim of him was justified. And then there was so much else around him that put me off that I think his first three albums are, that's the three albums you need to listen to when it comes to Kanye. But beyond that, beyond 808s and Heartbreaks, not really a fan, no. Okay. You'd even crossed over into my world and I was listening to nothing new. Although some of the albums you mentioned there, it was like I got into LCD sound system like kind of years later and it was just like Sound of Silver is fucking incredible. Give it, give a shout out to that as well. <laughs> I mean, other stuff, other stuff from a music point of view that was going on at this time was um, 30th of September was the 40th birthday of Radio One, which you know is uh, is something which is pretty mental because it was pretty like formative in like music tastes mm -hmm. and things like that. Obviously, you know, you talk about like your your top 40s and things like that. You're doing the countdown, obviously. You know, looking at your top tens and stuff. That was always a, a thing that you. I don't know, Sunday afternoon and stuff like that, when the charts were important and things yep. like that, throwing it on there and getting the old uh, tape deck uh, lined Physically up Physically going to, by it, to, 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 No, no, to hit record as soon as they start oh. to play it and try and, <laughs> try, and miss the, uh, try and miss the DJ's voice, like when you're, uh, when you're getting the tunes that you, you want there. But um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those where I, I just think it's just like a different entity now. Like you, you look at that there and it's been like the 40th birthday of Radio 1, but... Probably those first 40 years were like really important, whereas probably the last 20 years or since that point, well, really less so. I don't like, I, I don't know. Like, I think of it and I think of like Evening Session and Steve Lamarck and Joe Wiley and things like that been like so f formed by music opinions. I've got a Sonic Youth t shirt on, that would have been the first place I ever heard Sonic Youth and stuff would have been on like uh, on, on, on Radio One on them, them evening shows. There, it was like your gateway to your, your popular music and, and um, things like that. Like I say, through through chat through the charts as well, and um, um, just uh, just like a real real big part of growing up for me. Was it was it di different for like you guys been younger? Does Radio One mean less to you? Yeah, well, for me, as you said, it was very important in shaping my musical taste. I think Radio 1 was. Um, when I would listen to Radio 1, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, Marianne Hobbs used to do the rock show in the evenings. Mm -hmm. There was uh, Mike Davis that used to do a show called The Lock Up, which was a, bit, a, little, yeah. more, a little bit more punk-based and stuff. And then, obviously, you had, like, Steve Lamack and uh, Zane Lowe. I think Zane Lowe had took over by the point when I was really listening to it. But the thing I always remember about Radio 1 at those points is that it also it always seemed much more than it does now because I seldom hear Radio 1 unless I'm at work or in a car or so. But it seems so much more fragmented now. Like, it sounds weird to say this now, but like something like, let's just say Metallica, for instance, there would be times where a Metallica song was played at like two o'clock in the afternoon on Radio One and you would hear it and you would have a sense of excitement that something that you like and enjoyed was being played on a national radio station and it had crossed over to that point. I mean, someone like someone like Marianne mm. Hobbs or Joe Wiley wasn't shy on playing stuff that was a little bit off the beaten track in terms of music. And I think that's very indicative of how the charts were back then. I know um, Gareth's a massive fan of Top of the Pops too, like myself, but you just look through the top 40 charts and how diverse they were in terms of music, genres, that everything was all-encompassing. So you didn't necessarily need it to be into house music 
to know a house record. You didn't need to be into rap to know rap records because you would look at the top 40 charts, especially if you listen to it on Radio 1, and you were exposed by a lot of this stuff. And then you also had your shows that would cross over with all these different genres of music. Whereas what I hear now is that everything is very secular in terms of how music is presented on Radio 1, is that this is our rock show. This is our hip-hop show. This is our dance show. Everything else is popular music, and popular music is so, I don't want to say closed-minded, but very much the format of what a popular song is is very much perfected now that a lot of those songs in the top 40 all follow that same template, that you don't get that crossover anymore in terms of hearing stuff. Like, you know, I remember being young and having a charter, and you would have Michael Bolton in the top five, but in the top 10, you would have a Wild Hearts record. That yeah. you, can't, you can't fathom stuff like that anymore. And I think that being a thing on Radio 1 and listening to the charts, the charts on Sunday afternoon, 4pm, was appointment listening at that point. Yeah. You would listen from 40 to 1, and you would know every song in the charts. Even if you didn't like it, you'd know every song in the charts. And that's my overbearing memory of Radio 1 in the fact of how everything was seamlessly mixed together that you were not into rock music necessarily. You weren't into hip-hop necessarily. This was popular music, and popular music was very widespread. Yeah. It's a very... Seg- I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of saying it's just a very segmented and fractured. Like Everything is segmented and fractured, but nonetheless, like sort of BBC Radio itself is, because they want everything to be categorised, because that's how they want it to work for you going on to... Well, these days going on to BBC Sounds or going on to the iPlayer, everything has to be into a neat kind of category. Whereas there was the case where it was kind of, it felt more kind of DJ led. Maybe that was it. But then there's also a generational thing with Radio 1 where you get to a certain age and you start listening to Radio 2. You know, it it happens. You're not quite sure how it happens, but there is generally like a kind of evolution for it. And Radio 2 is a bigger listenership than Radio 1. Radio 1 has the influence as well. So it was always like it will play a formative part, I think, in people up to a certain point. But then it's how many of them like will have grown up listening to Radio One Extra or something like or Six Music. I was going to say you, bec- you, you you become like me, as Joe Lemon likes to call me, Six Music Dad. Um, you you listen to Atlantic Two Five Two. Where you were, mate? Oh no, that was '95. That's when I was playing wrestling figures on the landing. That was just like that was honestly that was my day. I don't know what's all about '95, but just setting me pay per view up and me figures with Atlantic Two Five Two on <laughs> the glory days. But my three memories of uh, Radio One was, uh, like you said, the charts every Sunday. Even if it was just for the top mm. ten for me, if, if you're on playing footy in the street, getting for the top ten, go back out and play footy. Uh, never forget Lincoln Park second album. The first single was getting world premiered somewhere I belong on Radio 1. And I remember getting up extra early before school because I got played like 10 to 8. And I just recorded it and just played it on my Walkman, looped it all day. Play, rewind, play, rewind in sixth form. And it was just like the greatest song I'd ever heard at the time. You know what I mean? Love that. And then I know he's, uh, you know, in the news for all the wrong reasons, but I, I can't deny Westwood, Liam, at the time. Like, that was appointment listening of a Saturday night, mate, to get all the new yeah. rap songs. He got it before, like, anyone got these, like, exclusive, like, Freeway with Jay-Z and stuff and just stuff you'd never heard. And you were, like, recording it and put, I was putting it on my mini disc, Cameron and Diplomat, and that was, like, never heard nothing like it. It was just really, like, a really good show at the really? time, that Westwood. Well, that, that was the thing back then, in the fact of, 
music, new singles, new artists, and that their greatest exposure was the radio play. Whereas now with downloading and you know YouTube and whatnot, that appealing to a wider audience is no longer the radio. As as um, JP and Gareth were saying, whereas Radio One at the point everybody at my age when um, in 20, when it was their anniversary, 40th anniversary, would listen to Radio One. It's now fragmented off that if you like a certain type of music, you'll listen to six music. If you like hip hop, you'll listen to one X and um, one extra, sorry, and you'd move on. And um, music now is, yeah, the, the, the reason to listen to a radio is seldom there anymore. It's um, mm-hmm. very, very much something to have on in the background rather than something you listen to. Yeah. That I, is, I, I think there's a big side of it though, is as, as well. Like, it's it's got to be. It's it, it's almost like there's more pressure for it to be successful, isn't there? Like these days or something. Now with like when it comes to like a single and things like that, it, there's there's sort of almost like less room for like experiment and there's less room for you know how often like you say like lately in there like we're we're both top of the pops fans like watching the old ones and things like that how often do you see like something that just like went in at number 40 and it just had time to breathe and it fucking eventually like got to number five mm. or something like that but it grew over time there's no fucking room for that these days it's like you've got to be like bang you've got to be in and you've got to have that like level of level of success and things so it's just like just the whole environment and everything like that is just so so like massively massively different and like a big part of that is Obviously, you know, you talk about streaming and things like that there. Another big thing that we've got on the list here for 2007 is the Apple iPod Touch announcements and, you know, that you know that coming out. And it's just bizarre, I think. You know, now, obviously, we've all got our music on our phones and on our streaming apps and things like that on our phones. But, whoa, whoa. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of us. Some of us yeah. do. But, um, but yeah, this, this coming out, was it was like... I'm a, I totally forgot. I meant to grab it because I've still got my first iPod there, the one where you like scroll past and it's got all the album covers on there and things like that that you can yeah. see on the the screen that I think was on this video that we like seen here. But like it was a uh, was mind blowing at the time the idea to like that you could just like you could have a hundred albums there and just scroll through the album cover and listen to what you wanted on demand to like sort of thing. Fucking 2007 absolutely blew my blew my mind the idea that this was a this was a thing. Were you, were you still uh, still a, a physical loyalist at this point, Matty, or were you flirting? Were you flirting with a bit of a <laughs> flirting with a bit of a iPod here? Or? No, yeah. Well, what it was is that obviously I had me, you know, we Walkman. Then I'd done this compact disc player, but I was I was a big mini disc guy, boys, like a real big mini disc guy. I had that for a good number of years, and then the first time I ever seen an iPod to get it back to fifty cent was in the PIMP video, Liam, at the start, the original white iPod. And I was like, what the fuck's this? And my mate Joey got one. And I was just, used to just, I used it more than he did in school, basically, all on every six form because I just used to bother it off him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he put all the stuff on. But then, like, I said, I never had a touch. But the original, like, the, the classic, I've got the classic iPod, the 60 gig, the granite one. Like, and I'll never get rid of it. I still pay me £2.99 fucking insurance on it, boys, each month. <laughs> I still think I'm never going to get that replaced, am I? If it fucks up because they don't exist anymore, I need to cancel that. <laughs> I see it every month. Dick or it's a collector's item that's worth a fortune. Yeah. It's one of the two. Not with some of the shite I've got out of JP, it's not. But, uh, <laughs> 31 Undertaker themes, mate, come on. 
<laughs> but like I'll never get rid of it though. Like, even if it does break down, as you say, JP, it's that collector's item, that ornament that yeah. I'll always keep. The white headphones, it's just iconic, isn't it? It's just one of them yeah. things that you can never deny. And like, as Gareth said, I'm a big physical guy, but some things in life you just can't ignore. You can't ignore it, and that just took over the world and amazing stuff. Amazing. Yep. Well, that brings us to the end of the first pillar of the evening. That takes us to the end of music. Now we move on. If I'm if I'm correct in thinking, we move on to film. Who's doing film this month? It's me, JP, with the films. Hey. It's me with the so films. So you will then... hear, obviously, the Barry Norman. Yeah, of course. New theme tune. Of course. I like that. I'll always say Barry Norman ahead of Jonathan Ross, always. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always. The, the OG. It's obscene to say otherwise. He is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are we ready then? In number 10, we've got Shoot 'em Up. Coming in at number nine, it's The Free Ten to Humor. At number eight, it's Knocked Up. Number seven is Disturbia. Number six is Death Proof. Number five is the Born Ultimatum Corvette. Number four, Super Bad. Number three, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Number two is Atonement. We're coming in at number one for the weekend of the 21st to 23rd September 2007 is Run Fat Boy Run. Now, boys, I'll be honest with you. I think I've done me, me totaling up here. I've only seen four out of the ten films here. The ones I've seen is Superbad, The Born Ultimatum, Knocked Up, and The Three Tenty Humour. I've never seen Atonement. Am I in the wrong for that, or what? Anyone want to give me no, no good? I've seen it more times than I care to admit, simply because I've taught it. <laughs> Teaching films. I don't know who's in it, Atonement <laughs> was always coming up on it. So it is the um, it's Kira Knightley and James McAvoy who appear okay. in it. As he says, trying to get the trailer up on the screen here, it's it's a it's an adaptation of an Ian McEwan novel set in world set in World War Two. It is actually very good, I have to say, like it is. As the screen starts going completely berserk, but there we go. Um, it's it's all about the unreliable narrator. This film, as much as anything else. Now, I hate period dramas, but I think through sheer attrition of having to teach about it, it was like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, so I won't lie, there's a part of me that my heart kind of sank and I went, oh, Christ, not this again, which is bad. I also say about This Is England simply because I've seen it so many times, like in the classroom, just like, oh, for fuck's sake, this again. Um, but Atonement is surprisingly good. And it's Joe Wright as well, um, who is a kind of, I don't know, he's he feels like he's the kind of guy who took over from Merchant Ivory, dare I say it. He's tried to make stuff that isn't, effectively period dramas um but this is you know it, it's the beginning of Saoirse Ronan's career as well it's very well acted it's very well made it is the kind of thing that is like it's somewhat compelling I mean and Kira Knightley was probably at this stage like kind of on her rise as much as anything else and it, it did well at the box office like over here relatively speaking a decent film Matty but I'd struggle to see a situation where you think, let's stick on atonement tonight. This will be good for a laugh. <laughs> no, anyone else want to add any words to atonement there? JP, give it the good uh, good breakdown there, boys. No, I've never seen it. That's one on the list I've never seen. 
Right. Uh, like likewise, one I think I've only seen three on the uh, on on the top ten there, Matty as well. And this is this is just one of those that I would have seen the trailer at the time. <laughs> and like for me, it's just like this is no. just this is just Oscar bollocks kind of thing. Like you know, there's always there's like, you know, there's You're not always, wrong, mate. There's always that English patient or something like that that I'm yes. never going to watch kind of thing. And to me, that's just, it's just immediately categorised with the English patient in my head as something that I'm never ever going to see, and 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 I never will. <laughs> Whereas JP Shadow, I. I hate McAvoy as well. I just don't like him. Like he, he bugs he bugs my life. Like I've never <laughs> never never seen him like him. Uh, his face just annoys me. So I I never watch it for, for him. He's just one of them people I can't have. I would be are. confident we've all seen this some stages. Yeah, well. Of course, of course. Yeah. Can I, 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 feel, I feel so I feel somewhat typecast by that comment. <laughs> oh sorry. <laughs> No, I have sequels of Steve. Can I tell you the super bad story? Can I tell you the super bad story quite quickly? I, I'd never seen it up until about like three years after it come out or whatever. And my mate Joey just lent me it on it. Well, I say lent, he gave me it on DVD because whenever you lend me something, you might as well just be giving me it. So <laughs> he gave me it on DVD, right? But he actually wanted it back, right? So I said, all right, Sam. So what had happened was <laughs> when I went to give it back to make you know to make sure it you know it was all uh, nice and clean and whatever, I found out it was snapped in half down the middle, <laughs> right? And I couldn't tell you how right. that happened because I'm quite JP. I, I put my DVDs back in my box. I look after me stuff. Do you know what I mean? And it proper baffled me for years. It was a straight. No, it couldn't have been a straightened line right down the fucking middle of the scene. The DVD. Why, why, were you, why, why were we checking that it was clean? What have you been doing to Joey's DVD? <laughs> no, but it's like you know what you know what fingerprints or dust or not. I gotta come on, I'm a, I look after me things, mate. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. Did you, you, buy, say, Joey, did you buy Joey a replacement DVD? What do you think, JP? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the answers now. <laughs> Don't stereotype. Do you steal it? He was so fucking angry though, and he's never been angry at me over much in, in our friendship. He was so fucking pissed off with that that he had to, he went and bought himself it. You know what I mean? But yeah, he, he... <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> he fucking loves this film anyway. He fucking loves it. As I was saying, as I was saying about. Um... Timberland earlier with music. This is where Judd Apatow had his uh, two years mm. of absolute film after film. Forty-year-old Virgin was it knocked up? Uh, yeah. Funny, funny people as well. There was like a period of eighteen months he released all those films, which I think all for, all four of them are pretty decent films. To be honest, knocked I do up like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, I, I, I do like Superbad. I think for that genre, that sort of film, for that sort of genre, uh, that film for that sort of genre, I think it nails it. I think it's yeah. a really good film. Well, McLovin, I mean, whenever I see that, I don't even know his real name. Whenever I see him turn up and in, and I just shout to the telly, there's McLovin. I just love him. <laughs> Great. Is this something like Mince Plass is his surname? I'm sure I've seen him in other stuff, like kind of stepbrother. I know it's stepbrothers. But... He plays that McLovin role on every film, doesn't he? <laughs> he Pretty up. much does. But you're right about Jan Uppertown. I mean, I put off on here, like the, the, the trailer with Knocked Up as well. You've got the kind of rise, I said the rise of the slacker kind of comedian. They were like, it, it was like they were kind of like in love with the kind of silly high school film viewers. How many of these guys? 
there, whether it's Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, who's in who's in both of them as well. Like the kind of living the geeky stoner dream, weren't they, as much as anything else? And it was like, you know, you'd find these kind of quite these these quite slobbish guys inexplicably ending up in this situation. And the the concept of like knocked up, for example, is quite weird in the sense that like rather than these days, dare I say it, if she ended up pregnant after a one night stand with him, she'd just have an abortion wouldn't you really as much as anything else but then there's a plot that's not really making a kind of light-hearted comedy is it that's going to get to number one in the box office if you're doing that otherwise what's four, four months Knocked three out. weeks and two days <laughs> the romanian horrific film about a backstory i digress that might have been out about this point in time as well <laughs> yeah knocked out um, <laughs> Can, but yeah, he, he was he was absolutely prolific at this point as well. Is, has anyone seen this? Set a template, loads of careers. I've seen knocked. I've seen knocked up. Yeah, I've seen knocked up. Yeah, I've seen knocked up. Have, have you? Have you? I haven't seen this. I watched this trailer and I was just like, oh, I'm glad I haven't seen that. Like this was one that, like when I when I was going through these trailers, watching them for this top ten, I was like, yeah, I'm missing nothing there. Like, but tell me I'm wrong. Well, Surely, Gareth. No, surely then. If we if we're passing by these that you don't, surely you're a fan of the Bones. Surely, mate. You've got. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did like definitely enjoy them. And like as soon as I like turned the trailer on there for Born Ultimatum, I was thinking like, oh, is this the one with like the parkour style scene, like on the top of like going over the houses in Morocco or whatever, where where it is like just that is. Just like, just it's just one of those mm. that just like sticks in sticks in my head completely. But this was one. This, I mean, this was this the third one or was this the second? The last, one? the last one, the trilogy, yeah. Like, like that trilogy, just in terms of, I always just think of it as that as it just been like making, you know, making James Bond, the James Bond franchise have to go like, oh fucking hell, we yeah. need to fucking pivot here and up our game here kind of thing because of what what Bond did. Like just in terms of just the fucking action scenes and things like that it just like just felt like it was as good as it got at this point and you know and again it's not necessarily like a genre of film that i'd be massively into like personally but like but seeing all of these at the at the time loved you know loved everyone it was just like just really just felt like it sort of kicked the uh, genre on to a to, to another level with these like like big time and even enjoying them and it's been matt damon as well like That's just, it, kind of, just, just forgetting that it's matt damon and just like just just losing Damon's it and all right, and just well, to uh, be fair, like i put these off because of that because i thought like me mate joey once again getting a few shout outs on this episode is like he was like honestly for years watch this watch this watch this and the first time watched them was in the original lockdown i was like i put them off for that many years boys just because i thought how's matt damon gonna pull this off it just won't won't make sense to me watch them back to back to back in lockdown and was glued to the telly it did that good honestly the way they've done as you say gareth like mm. that waterloo station scene where it, how tense is yes. it it's just fucking like honest to god he nails it he was born to play that role and he's been in other great films hasn't he and he's had oh, oscars and all stuff but he was born to play that role. He was fucking incredible. Very literally, he was in the title. Yeah. Is this no pun intended? <laughs> oh, sorry, the actually wasn't. <laughs> I've actually used that Waterloo editing sequence in like kind of teaching about film and stuff and teaching about editing and how to create tension. And a lot of this comes from Paul Greengrass, like the idea yeah. of getting him in like a documentary filmmaker. Because I mean, the first one, I mean, I think Doug Lyman as kind of mainstream Hollywood director is generally okay. Although there's that film you made with Hayden Christen where people jump through time and stuff like that it was a load of old bollocks. But like Paul Greengrass, on the other hand, 
he was the one who kind of really put in the kind of shaky cam, handheld, ultra realistic aesthetic that these yeah. films kind of had, which then Bond ended up bringing to the fore. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, let's say, like No Time to Die and everything else. But I think what this managed to do was kind of, it just had a very stripped back feel. Particularly, like beginning necessarily from like the second. Give Bond the edge. It did. It, it, it made Bond have well, more of an edge and a real realistic vibe to it. Definitely. Yeah, and it kind of changed the way that. I mean, by the by this point, we've seen this in terms of fight film choreography. We've gone through the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon phase as well of wire work and stuff that's kind of come through the Matrix, and so it's all very much like kind of you see Taken, for example. And it completely steals this. It's, it's aesthetic entirely from this. But if you're going to steal from it, it's a good it's a good place to go because that's what people want. And you sort of blur it all with this kind of like hyperkinetic kind of editing style. I mean, I I like these three films. Then you have, I think it's the like Jeremy oh, bad, Renner film. Bad, that one, not a big I fan of that one. Good. And then you've got no. Jason Bourne as well. And it just feels like oh, we're getting him back for the sake of it. Whereas really, it kind of ends here. As much as as anything I've else, I've got the second cast. one, JP. The second one's the best one for me. The uh, Born Supremacy with Brian Coxon. Remember that? That's the mm. best one for me. They're all four star on over films. Like I've just on my letterbox, I give Born Supremacy four and a half. That was me favorite one. Fucking yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go and watch them back, JP. Actually, I'm gonna go and watch them back, mate. Oh yeah, can't can't go wrong with them at all. I, of these on it, I haven't seen. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I won't lie, I haven't. Is that one of yours, Liam? Have you seen that I, one? I, I, I think I saw it at the time. Uh, yeah, very much of its time. 21 year old Liam loving a bit of Adam Sandler. I can well, easily imagine. I will, I will tell you what I do love on this list. Number nine, 310 to Yuma. I think that's oh, an yeah. absolute great film. I think Christian Bale and Russell Crowe in that are absolutely amazing. Um, I think that by far and away is my favourite film on this list. Um, I just think it's a great film. I think it's a really good film. Is it I've James Mangold the, who directed the original? Uh, I think it might be JP. Who's a who's a kind of again? He works within that big Hollywood system as well. But You're right, like, JP. It is. It is him. And I think the uh, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off on it. I think this is a point in time again where we weren't seeing many westerns being made. Certainly not big budget westerns. It's like they're very cyclical as a genre, but they kind of come in and out of fashion, like lots of genres do. And then we end up with a competing film and everyone goes, well, we've kind of had enough about it. That's why we've not had a film about volcanoes erupting. We had two in one year and two at the same time. And that was simply enough. But we weren't seeing like kind of many sort of Westerns being made. And this is a remake as well. And, yeah. you know, it's it, I, from what I can remember of it, because, again, it was, a, it was a while ago when I, when I saw it, is it's very much a kind of like an actor's piece as well. Like it, it, it's, you know, and Mangold's coming off, like it says on there, coming off walk the line as well so he's you yeah. know he's which was an enormous hit dad's favorite film of recent years but yeah it's i remember it, i might have to go back and watch this again but like i can remember it being very good in the kind of lost era of russell crowe post gladiator and the types of films that he made kind of, you know, taking a few risks with his roles yeah no classic Brilliant, mate! That you uh, singled this one out, Liam. It's fuck. I love Christian Bale, like so. Anything, anything he's in, I will, I will uh, give a watch. And this, and I'm bit. I got into westerns as well, more or less during lockdown. So when I seen mm. this, this when I first seen this, Bale on a western, I was like, sign me up for that one. 
I see, do, this, I, is, I, this is one of these films for me that's always been on my list of I'll watch that one day, like kind because I love West, I love westerns anyway. Big like like Christian Bale that like never watched like just never watched this and like but and then when I watched when I put the trailer on I was like why haven't I just watched this and I was it's always one of them oh I'll watch that next week I'll watch it next week and suddenly mm. fifteen years has gone by or <laughs> seventeen years has gone Get by some more of them cans of Steve IPA Gareth and settle down and watch that mate <laughs> <laughs> you'll have a cracking night. <laughs> well, and else, boys, and else, Death Proof. I mean, Death Proof. What, 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 no, never seen it. What is it? Ooh. So it's Quentin Tarantino, mate. Really? So it's it's so yeah. this is when and <laughs> I was deep into my bit torrent at this point, deep, 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 <laughs> because I wasn't going anywhere. The three year old and the one year old. So it's just like, yeah, I'm not fucking going anywhere at this stage. So what we got is this was half of Grindhouse, basically. Yeah. So there was this, and there was, um, is it Planet Terror? Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah, Rodriguez film as well. This is a, this is Tarantino and his kind of, like, my God, he shows his genre films at the best of times, but bloody hellfire. He was, they were just, they could do whatever they wanted, really. And this is kind of like the ultimate example of it. It didn't make a lot of money. So over here, in order to try and claw back some of the cash, elsewhere outside of the US because Grindhouse is a double bill with the fake trailers in the middle as well which were great what ended up happening is they end up splitting them into two so we ended up with Death Proof's second film which is a, a kind of is it Stuntman Mike who is, yeah. is uh, Kurt Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah. absolutely love who's got his car who's got a penchant for killing young women basically in it as well and does this he... count as one of Tarantino's like yeah, filmography is in his ten films. Is, is, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. It's about like yeah, all of his fetishizations, all kind of neatly included in one here. Um, but it is, it's it's him just wanting to do genre films without for a relatively low budget, knowing full well the studio's going to give him whatever he wants. And at that stage as well, it's it's Miramax as well. So we are talking Harvey Weinstein. You know, Me Too hadn't happened at this point in time. And he could they could, he could just do it because you wanted him on side. Because whatever his next film was going to be, you wanted to be the producer, you know, you wanted to be producing that. So if he says he's going to make Grindhouse, and that's what it is, where it, really it feels like he just wanted to make a film that could be shown at the Austin cinema that rodriguez owns and the rest of it and just say yeah that's just play on here on an absolute loop as a film it was, itself i think it's fine i don't it's think a it's a bit fine. too much of a pastiche i think kind yeah. of thing of like it's it's a bit try hard i think in parts like there's the things where he's tried to make it a bit like you know like 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 a an old grindhouse film but it but it's it's almost like in his attempts to make it dirty and old it's then become overproduced for me in some yeah. ways kind of like i think that was my overriding thought at the time like i remember thinking i love kurt russell in it but i thought a lot of everything else about it just felt a bit a bit triad kind of thing or so like a bit a, a bit a bit too much like really but he, I, he, i'd watch it again i would watch it again like Tarantino's quite guilty of doing that, getting into a genre and then just absolutely pastiching it. But uh, yeah, there was a recent remake that came out two weeks ago, and it's starring Edge as the main role, wasn't it? Um, for his AEW video. He was. <laughs> <laughs> a stuntman, Mike. Fucking hell. Well, I was I'm say... a massive, I'll always say I'm a massive Kurt Russell fan, but that's because of his John Carpenter. 
Yeah, yeah. Is Michael Madsen in this film? Because it's not a Tarantino film without him turning up. I don't, I, I don't think he is. I don't think he no, is. I don't think he is. It's a relatively like, I mean, of the people in the film, like Kurt Russell is the kind of biggest star per se. There's more stars in Planet Terror, which is just yeah. kind of really wacky as much as, as anything else. And I would always say for the Grindhouse films, it's going back and watching the trailers. Like the, I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but I always think of the Edgar Wright one, for example. It's like a Christmas horror that has Nick Frost at one point as like a baby downstairs, like a baby cannibal, and he's lying a massive nappy. And there's one, there's one by Eli Roth that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, Eli Roth. yeah, 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 yeah. And well, uh, Nicholas Cage's Fu Manchu, like it. <laughs> this sounds like wild shit. Did you, have you seen Planet Terror? Because I never have. Like yeah. I've seen, I, I watched Death Proof, but I, I never saw Planet Terror at, the, at that time. I Just... have. It's. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like it, it, it was fine. I think it, if I can remember rightly, I think I preferred it to grind uh, to Death Proof at the time, just simply because it, it's kind of it's, it's wackier and it's less kind of up its own arse of how much I love this this particular type of sleazy film. Like it's a lot more sort of like unabashed fun, but it's very slight from both of them. Mm. But then Robert Rodriguez, if we're going to be honest about it, really hasn't made a lot of kind of substantial films. I mean, if anything else, it's Spy Kids. And then pissing away all that money on that network that Lucha Underground was on. It seems to be a gigantic waste of fucking time and money, ultimately. But, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, there's a new Spike as well, which I have seen here in the house. And I was just like, mate, Robert, you are, we're just not trying anymore, are we? It, pays, pays the bill job, isn't it? It is a complete pays the bill job. Which, would Matthew- I do that if I was in his position? Fucking absolutely. Matty, I heard you done as a big shoot em up guy. Have you seen shoot em up Shoot him up. Yeah, number 10 no, no. on the list. Never, have you never, never seen, seen that? Never seen uh, it, Not to spoil it. It's Clive Owen in a Van Damme film, basically. Yes. <laughs> 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 We've shown me on the Van Damme bit, like. Paul Giamatti's in it as well. Who's oh, yeah. Value, value, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is this yeah. the one where he's carrying a baby around? For quite yes, a bit of it? yeah. I remember the trailer. Monica Bellucci's it- in it as well, yeah. Does oh, it yeah, feel like are we at the point where we're like we can make anyone an action star type of deal that we get that we end up with Liam Neeson doing it like, yeah, yeah. Know, quite late on career and the rest of it. It's just like, yeah, he's a good actor. We're just gonna stick a gun in his hand and basically hope for the best that we get a new kind of action. It's a weird yeah. it's, it's, it's a weird top ten from top to bottom, isn't it? It's there's no mm. big blockbuster in there or anything no. that had all like a load of hype behind it it's all like solid films within their genres isn't it it's like yeah. you, run, you have those- run fat boy run is i was gonna say let's talk about the number one simon peg like you know just just because it's the number one really and i've never been a simon peg guy i mean that i might be in the uh, minority there but i've never been into him and frost or as is the films oh, and the TV not... shows really? Is that is that a bad shout? Uh, is it, boys? I like that shout, but it's a different shout to me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up. Spaced was like Space. Your brother loves it, JT. Yeah. Sorry, he's your age. He loves it. Absolutely. The cultural references were designed for this as well. I think what's interesting about this film is it was it was effectively very British wasn't a film that did like gangbusters in the states but just caught on over here because people quite like simon Pegg. 
and it was one of these things where he'd made this they'd made Shaun of the dead hot fuzz um i'm not i'm not as high on, on i haven't seen hot fuzz for a long time i'm not as high on like, like for me it's always Shaun of the dead by far and away is a better film than hot fuzz and it's by far and away a better film than the world's end this i never saw because i just thought when i see when you see the trailer and i was reminded watching the trailer again i know exactly what's going to fucking happen here there is no mystery whatsoever he's a bit of a dick he wants to win his he wants to win his girlfriend back so what's he gonna do he's gonna run a fucking marathon like the end like that's that's kind of like where we are with this as a film it's, it's not complex but it's that kind of it's very easy crowd-pleasing entertainment that i would resent people spending their money to go and see in the uh in the cinema and ignore all the kind of good art house stuff i'd have been a proper snob like Number it's funny, one it's, fun, it's funny you mentioning hot fuzz like it just that just reminds me of like i don't know why my dad was down my dad we must have been getting measured for when i don't know if it was wednesdays whether it was this year or whatever he was down anyway we had some time to kill while someone was gonna so me and my dad just randomly went to pictures for the only time in our life together and we watched hot fuzz and at the end my dad's only comment on was it was a bit far-fetched <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he wanted gritty Cumbrian drama, and was he getting that? Was he, he, was, he was set in that London as well. There's the problem. I do like Shiver Peg in the Mission Impossibles, though. I'll give him that. I'll give him that one. You know, you, you're saying about um, Simon Pegg and liking space. I always was a big fan of Big Train that he did. That oh, was yeah. like my that was like my first introduction to Simon Pegg. I used to really like. David that. Schwimmer directed that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Wild. out there as well. Mad. <laughs> Well, is there any other comments on any of them films, boys? Or we, we the, the one I was going to ask you about was because when I went through and watched these trailers, like I started, I hadn't seen it, and I started watching the trailer to Disturbia, and like I'm a big fan of Rear Window, and then like I was watching it, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, here we go, just run. But then actually, by the end of the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks like something that I actually want to watch it. Like pull, like I was intrigued by it a bit. Um, with that, has anyone actually seen that? Is it worth two hours of my time? I would say no. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, if, you've a, podcast. Yeah, yeah. if you if you've got a choice between watching that and free ten to humor, you're watching free ten to humor. Yeah. Uh, this is this, this is the tips I'm going to give you. It's okay. It's it's okay if you want to watch something to like that film. It's okay, yeah. but it's nothing that hasn't been done better before. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I'll go. It's the kind of film where Shia LaBeouf. Is starting to, like he's being set up as a star. He's been given that push, basically. He looks so young here, JP. Which, he en- which ends so with the kind of young. Lex Lugerish him appearing in an Indiana Jones film to, in theory, take over the franchise. And actually, what ends up happening is he just never spoke, never again. It's just like, let's pretend this didn't happen at all. Um, <laughs> and replaced with Phoebe Waller Bridge. That was his uh, yeah. big main event from the start. They get, as you say, pushed right to the main event, really. I like I like the look of the I like the look of the heel in this. He's uh, (laughs) a some good heel work going on. I thought (laughs) (laughs) he's a bit of a creep, isn't he? There he is. I'm trying to think of who who plays who plays the bad guy in this. Um, But yeah, it was a. I think it was one of these films that kind of it did well enough at that point in time, and it was cheap, and it just proved to them, oh, can he carry a movie? Yes, he can. And it's like it kind of appealed. David Morse, that's the that's the actor's name. Cracking actor. Um, I think I lost one of my concussions years ago. But yeah, it's 
a decent film, I would say. I know we've not spent any time on I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, but it's this is Adam Sandler before he became good, with the exception of like Punch Drunk Love, I think. <laughs> Adam oh. Sandler had his first run, JP, in like the nineties, and then yeah, for me, yeah. he, he fell right off, and then he come back like an in, Indian summer, like bloody. Who can we say that about? Like you, um, I don't know. Who's, who's they all have it. We're seeing Zac Efron gonna do it as well. We're yeah, really Zac paying Efron, it here. Yeah, the yeah. is shit. Like that could be an issue. Un- Uncut Gems is the Sandler film now, isn't it? That's the, yeah, yeah. That's that is that, so that's yeah. that's the one. Well that, done. You hold up. Oh, it's that great. It's a great film, but I think half of the film, half of the plaudits for the film is it's Adam Sandler. Yeah. You know, playing yeah. that that sort of role. That's that's it. I, I think it's a great film. I still think Good Time's a better film, but I was gonna say I think Good Time is a better film. I think I think Good Time's a better film as well. I'm a good big Safadi Brother fan, but I think Uncut Gems is a real good film as well. Yeah. Teaming up with Nathan Fielder next, aren't they? With a yeah. series on, on Showtime which yeah. looks mental I'm not quite sure what to make of it whatsoever so yeah that'll be, uh, that'll be right. so yeah. are we all we all done with the movies uh, section of this boys yeah and should we move on to the it's the sport now uh, boys and it's uh, Liam you're going to lead the way on the sport mate I am I am let's have a look what we had for the sport um, I've got in here in brackets passive mention but on the 7th of September the Rugby World Cup started Matty any uh, any memory <laughs> any, any memories I, of the Rugby World Cup can I have a hunch that New Zealand or Australia won it Is no, no, right? what? South Africa no yep. yeah I think it was one of them three to be fair well, <laughs> it could be thanks. one of uh, the British uh, British countries was it Thankfully, Gareth's back to uh, tell us all about it. Uh, Rugby Union World Cup, Gareth. Um, you, your memory. Well, you got the it. name right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, overriding memories of this Rugby Union World Cup, or is passing mention in brackets next to it suitable for this subject matter? Uh, I, I like the highlighted yellow text on this one. I was a big fan of that. Um, I, I will say, no in idea fairness. who won it. No idea. What happened? This this could have been the uh, England won it for all I know. I've That's 03, isn't it? I know that one. That was 03. Yeah. This is they got to the final in 07. They lost to South Africa in the group stages in the openers, uh, like like one of the opening games of the tournament, and then met again in the final, um, where it was just attritional, dull Springbok rugby union. Sorry, without the the risk of upsetting. You didn't need, you didn't need the word Springbok in there. It was just attritional, <laughs> dull rugby union. That was uh, yeah, presumably what it this was. This was even particularly worse, and it was, wasn't was a good England one, side. Was this was one as never front, ending like the currently one is? Was this one as never ending as the one that's currently on now? Where well, the format's um, so I, been changed, hasn't even I, I, I know. I've got I've got no idea, but I go on no. the BBC app every day, and I'm like encountered by like a glimpse of like rugby union. I'm like, I'm quickly like tap football at the top <laughs> to to just get. I, I don't even want to give it like a hit. I'm trying to avoid it even getting a hit that like someone's actually like seen it on the app or something, something like that. But Mate. it feels like it's been going on for about four months that I've been You're trying to avoid. The players, I'm looking after the players. I'm dating it. Because after people listen to this, either they'll hear me talk about nothing but the Rugby World Cup, or I'll never mention it again, depending on how a result tomorrow goes. It'll still be going. It'll, it'll still be on when fucking people. If someone because they've had it in the three months' group, time, yeah. it'll still be fucking going on the way it's. Yeah, they, England and JP are they still in it? England. Oh, they are because they're on the easy side of the fucking draw. But I mean, in this one, Ireland went out in the uh, yeah. in the group stage because they were in there with Argentina and France. So I was just, I would have given up at that point. I was just distraught that I had gone to a World Cup and underperformed yet again, which may or may not be applicable at time at when people listen to this. 
So okay, is this uh, the one that Clint Eastwood made the film Invictus about? Is that this? No. That, no he made that about the 95 World Cup. Oh, right. That's Sorry, the I one. Just had that's the off, Nelson yeah. Mandela. Oh, okay. Um, so Matt Damon's in that, isn't he? Matt Damon is Francois yeah. Pinar as yeah. well, who's a lot taller in real life. <laughs> and there's a back row forward. But there, there, there you go. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great World Cup. The notable thing is it's held in France like the one currently is. And it's probably okay. still going on by the time people have listened to this. <laughs> We've only we're only just getting the quarterfinals this weekend, and then it will just be on weekends. It will just be on Saturdays and Sundays, Gareth. So you can happily ignore it. So yeah, that was the passing mention about the rugby world cup. Tried. Well, and to another World Cup that was going on at the same time, which Gareth probably got more thoughts about, it was the inaugural T20 World Cup taking place in South Africa. Now, uh, I remember this quite well because T20 cricket was still a bit of a novelty uh, at this point. Um, there's a few uh, notable things in this. Uh, Stuart Broad going for six sixes in an over, um, which is the most expensive over in world cricket still, I believe. It may have been beat by memory last year or so, but also it was host to the first ever bowl off in an international competition. Now, uh, to explain what the bowl off was, it was cricket's idea to do a penalty shootout to decide a tied game at the end of a match. Um, I don't know if JP can bring it up to show. Um, yeah. To show viewers what it was, but it was a uh, sounds good though. It, sounds it was like, wild it was, watching this was, today it was for quite the first a, time ever. It was quite the spectacle. So basically, Matty, it was um a bowler, your best bowl. Well, you, you choose a bowler, everybody has one chance of bowling, and yep. you've got to bowl at the stumps and hit the stumps. Um, and that was what it was because the match ended on a tie and it had to decide who went through in the group being a world cup. Which packed um, song, I might add blue. Well, could way. you not just <laughs> chuck it under arm though, Liam? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. oh, you fucking can't, mate. So, so, surprisingly, there is a rule with how you can oh, bowl okay, in, 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 in cricket. I mean, uh, I like your uh, idea there, but I don't necessarily <laughs> think you would have been. You'd be well up for the man cat and all sorts, wouldn't you? <laughs> you wouldn't you give a penalty, shit about the traditions you, of cricket. You can pass it on a penalty. So here we go. This is India going first. You're going to hit the stumps. There you go. That's okay. the first one. Like a penalty shootout. You see the score at the bottom. Uh, there you go. Oh, to India. Has this ever happened again, Liam? Uh, no, they've got rid of it now uh, and replaced it with what's called a super over, which is an additional over at the end of the game where you can elect your two, the batting team can elect their two best batsmen and the bowling team can elect their best bowler. They bat first. The, whatever the score is, the other team then gets a chance to supersede it if they don't. Then they're beaten. This absolutely blew my mind watching this today. Like I was, I'd never even heard of it or anything like that. When I was watching it, I was just, I was engrossed. I was absolutely just like, and then the idea that, like, you know, as we're watching like live here, like the Pakistan bowlers just not even just being able to just hit the stumps free without anybody there was just like, I was like, how, how, how can, how can you miss kind of thing? How can you well. be at that elite level and miss? But 
They do. Like it's, there is, there are worrying examples of previous of Pakistani players inexplicably going to pieces in crucial moments in big games. But that feels like I'm, that's dangerous territory to kind of mention. Liam, of isn't it? As well, well, you, I heard consp- enough conspiracy theories from Pakistan fit fans over the years about this as well. But it's the fact that it was it was in India, wasn't it? The first T20. This is all pre-IPL as well. This yes, is, like you say, this is T20 quick cricket is a novelty and it being quick because you go to a game and it's over in what three and a bit hours like it yeah. sounds good as, yeah and, and it's and it's like deliberately like a sort of party atmosphere and, and everything else on there but it's it's yeah it's it's kind of the way that you know at, at the minute you know again at time of recording there's another world cup going on even though that seems like it's so early in the competition that it's like kind of hard to kind of be massively invested in it this was you know, T20 was seen as it was always like the big hope of kind of expanding cricket to that wider audience and, and everything else. And you have to say, largely to a degree, it's, it's kind of worked between all the formats seem to kind of gravitate between. I mean, I'll always be more of a test match fan. I'm assuming, Liam, you're very much in that camp as well. But T20 has kind of found its place necessarily like at, at yeah. this stage it's 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 matured it's you know players you you elect to play on which circuit you want to play on yeah you want to do the t20 circuit that's fine the older players do because it's less physically taxing and you know you'll go off and play in the the bpl in bangladesh or in i'm trying to think about the west indian competition is. C- C- cpl cpl yeah as well, all the big back in Australia, and you can just go around, and it's it's just like a kind of like a touring circus of sorts. But with the IPL, where all the big players are going to, like, so they can they'll get some degree, some amount of English players. But a lot of the time, you know, we view in in this country, test test cricket is very much like the kind of be all and end all as well. But um, but yeah, even before that, even before that bowl out there in that game. The drama coming to the end there, where they had like mm. a certain number of balls left, and then they had like to get a certain. I was fucking like, I was pure like, invested when I was watching that. I was because because I had no idea what was going to happen at all. And thank I was, God, I was, just better yeah, now. Where you've got the two things there, where you've got the two things there of like the number of runs needed, but you know that the number of overs is like yeah. reducing, like. That's that's just great drama. That like yeah. it's 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 like a different sport in dime. It's like you're against the clock almost in the in you know towards the end of a game in footy or rugby league or something like that. Like it was this or like anything I suppose where the clock's ticking and you're trying to like get something done within a certain time. It was just putting that kind of like jeopardy like involved at the end. I proper loved that. And then it was pretty this similar in the final as well, wasn't it? Because you put the link into the highlights for the final and like I'd watched that like immediately after and that was one where it was it looked like again the run rate versus the number of overs I was like oh this is mm-hmm. fuck, they've, they've, they've romped it here but then even that like came in and even though there wasn't many wickets left it still went down to a relatively low number of overs as well like I was watching this thinking I should have been there fucking 2007 World Cup I'd have been filling my boots on this one well, you know, I know Matty's a big fan of story here, but after that bowl out between India and Pakistan to decide the group stages, it ended with them both qualifying into different brackets of the knockout stages, only for them to meet in the final one more time to decide oh, the that. World Cup. <laughs> That's brilliant, don't it? I love Two that, massive mate. rivals, mate. This is proper yeah. booking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
the biggest rivalry in world sport heading up the like, final of their yeah. the first inaugural tournament just saying <laughs> <laughs> you know a, a cynic would say otherwise but not me <laughs> It so is, yeah, uh, it, just to, I'm looking at the totals as well. I'm just thinking 141 like would not be cutting the mustard these days. Like oh no, the game no. I mean, people see T20 as like the final, final evolution of limited overs cricket on a world stage, but there's been evolution within T20 in terms yeah. of run rates, scores, the role of the spinner. Know, Yep, competitive totals, the pinch hitter. You know, there's been massive, massive evolution within T20 over the years since this. But yeah, just to close this off, uh, India won the final um, and were the first inaugural T20 world champions. Love that. The way it kind of should be, really, because it is like, I know, effectively, it is is an an English cricket invention, isn't it? India is where yeah, the is. global cricket market is. So the IPL is where you're going to be getting the monster TV ratings. It's where it's going to be the mad, massive deal. And, you know, I was born a Rajasthan Royals man and I'll die one. <laughs> what can I say, JP? Are we time stamping this just so Benno can skip that entire section? <laughs> and the rugby as well, actually. Yeah. Well, well, right. well, I think it would be remiss of me not to start with JP on the next one, as the Premier League in September 2007 was in full flow. Um, Arsenal were the form team all month, uh, with Arsene mm. Wenger winning Manager of the Month and Seth Fabregas winning Player of the Month that year. Um, other things going on within the Premier League, and I think it would be wrong not to start with the 20th of September, where uh, Jose Mourinho leaves Chelsea by mutual consent and is replaced by Avram Grant. Now, in my limited uh, love of cricket, um, football, sorry, I remember this being massive news. Does anybody have any memories of hearing this and surprise or shock, or were you expecting it to happen, Matty? I mean, when you look at it from like, you know, the two seasons prior, so even the third season he was there, everyone forgets that 06, 07 season where he won the domestic double, didn't he? The League Cup and the FA Cup first final at Wembley. So when you just look at it from that side of it, you know, it was, it's a massive shock that he like come in, won two leagues, you know what I mean? Obviously didn't get, get past us in the semi-finals, like two years in the Champions League and stuff like that. But yeah, as you say, it was just a massive he come in like I've always I've always been a Mourinho guy. Like there's no there's no I can't deny I've always loved him. And you know, people say he's he's finished now and like you know his style's not suited for the game, but I'm glad he's still managing at a at a pretty decent level because the game, like he, he come in and he tore the prem up for me. You, you had the invincibles, JP. Sorry to say, like you had the invincibles and you had Fergie, and Fergie didn't want nothing to do with Mourinho, let's be honest. He was the only one that put a bit of fear in Fergie. And to be fair to Fergie. He did come back and win three leagues in a row, built another team, you know, because you know you can't deny what Fergie done. But yeah, it was just it was it was a big deal, Liam. It was a really big deal at the time. But, and to replace him with Avram Grant as well. It's not as if they had like, you know, someone massive lined up. It it, it come as like obviously fell out with Abramovich and stuff like that, wasn't it? And and all going on behind the scenes. But yeah, wild time. So Gareth, did you see this as a rash decision at the time, or do you think it was just it was one of those that it just felt like it came, like I remember it at the time thinking like God this is 
this is early. This is quick in the season to be doing this. Like it just felt like bizarre, but it was almost as that the character of Mourinho was just like mm. evolving more and more to the as he does everywhere he goes. Like eventually he just becomes too much, doesn't he? Kind of thing. And when stuff's not exactly going his way, then clearly he's just like creating issues behind the the scenes. I think like Matty says so. I think the the big thing was it being like. It'd be an Avram Grant to replace him. It just felt like bizarre that you're going from the guy who's like the the guy kind of thing, like the you know the top manager or top three manager sort of thing at the at the time to just this fucking no mark that's just like you know, like it, like who the fuck's this guy kind of thing, and like he's just suddenly got the top job at Chelsea. Where you thought you'd have thought pretty much any manager in Europe would have probably wanted that gig at that time, or you know the majority. Of, top managers in Europe so just weird that he, he got it but they got to the Champions League final this year didn't they Gareth I was going to say yeah. there's no chance it was him delivering apparently it was Drogba and, and Lampard delivering the team talks because the story at the time was when he was delivering his team talks the players were just playing cards they weren't even listening to him he was just literally playing cards it was like Terry and that managing their own dressing room there Grant had, had nothing to do and you know not disrespecting him because you know He's a you know he did manage other teams after Chelsea. West Ham was it he turned up at and a few other teams, but it was definitely the players got them the final. Yeah, just uh, just 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 bizarre at times. But you can't. I mean, while I hated Mourinho at the time, he's one of those that you just respectively look retrospectively look back on and you're just like, what an injection of like character at that time. He changed the game, like he that, really you know, did. Just, like hate his style of football, hate him as a person and things like that. But just as just for a star quality, like he didn't have to bring someone to football. He hated Wenger, JP, didn't he? He hated Wenger. They had a oh, big, bit it. of beef, didn't he? Yeah. And did you hate is... Mourinho, JP? Didn't you yeah, like him? Absolutely fucking hate him. I hate Chelsea. <laughs> we we were gonna be the dominant side in England, and then this billionaire turned up, spent just went for all of our transfer targets, like Michael Essien and Jack and Didier Drogba, and just added a few more million, and we couldn't compete. And we were also, at this point in time, I say it's from the Arsenal perspective, it was like we'd moved to the Emirates the season before. And in order for that price to happen, we had to dramatically lower the wage bill, which meant all of the kind of invincibles were being completely dismantled. Henri had left just before the season. Yeah. And in fact, the player, the reason why we, we started off really well, like I remember rightly, we didn't like lose a game until like Sevilla in the Champions League, and that was like in late November. And we were like, you know, as you said already, Liam, like manager of the month, player of the month, we were like in really good form as well. It was it was like a but this is the season for me where Eduardo breaks his legs against Martin Taylor breaks his leg, and somehow it's Eduardo's fault for being a coward. Rather similar to Ryan Shawcross and uh Aaron Ramsey stuff that to this day I'm still incredibly bitter about. Galas on the pitch, JP won't get off the pitch. Galas, yeah, sitting there on the pitch and all that. Yeah. Well, in fairness, this fucking clogger had broken this bloke's leg and his career had never been the same. And it was just like going, "Get up, you fucking coward!" Like was what you were hearing from people about it. Effectively, oh, it's Arsenal. They're soft. They don't like it when it up them. And it's like I don't think they like their mates' legs being broken and people just going, Meh, whatever. Like yeah. it was one of these things where, and we kind of, it was the beginning of us like falling apart, finishing fourth, which I have to say, realistically, at that point in time, I kind of expected it. Like I thought we were going to go on the downturn for this. Like this was the season we brought in Bakary Sanya. 
Adebayo had a great season. This yeah, is his. that goal against Tottenham, mate. Honestly, I was gonna. Oh, I've got that down my yeah. notes now. That first touch, seriously, is unreal. Just the the, the, the finesse, but to flick it up in in like on the edge of the box, just how perfect is that volley? He tried. It's one of the best goals. It's fucking unbelievable, mate. Yeah. I mean, he's Fabregas scores a belter in that one as well. Yeah. Like fucking yeah. You oh, were yeah. topping like April though, JP. We ain't gonna see it because remember Chelsea we, playing we, we... Man U. Later yeah. on, Balak scored two headers to beat Man United, didn't he? But Hughes was still, it all fell apart because Hughes were like, should have won this league this season, added them two. Birmingham, Birmingham killed it, basically. Yeah. Birmingham completely killed it at that point in time, you know. One 5 0, as here shown on, on match of the day, too. And Derby, I have to say, one of the worst Premier League sides. I mean, I don't know if they, if they were the worst, I mean, people talk about the Sunderland team. I remember this Derby. They are, side. points wise, JP, they are the worst team, aren't they? Did you, did you, did you, did you, did you, did you say you went to this game, JP? Um, no, no, I didn't go to, uh, was I at this game? I think I might well have been at this game. No, I was at a different Derby game for this. There was the 6-2 that we had lost. There was a different, yeah, it was a different Derby game for this one. They were the worst side. I'm getting confused now with this. I remember the beating them 6-2 and then winning 2-1 at one point and being fucking livid. Like throughout this, sitting at home, fucking fuming, thinking this is the height of embarrassment to have this Derby side getting anything past you because they were just fucking abysmal. Like, and you don't see it as much in the Premier League anymore. Like sides that are really, really bad. In the main, they kind of battle, don't they? You know, mm. as much as anything else, they they, we they beat kind Derby six of... 0 this season as well. JP, yeah, and I was at that game. I was I was still going the match back then. Like they were fucking awful, absolutely awful. They were, they were, they were just a, a very, very, very bad side that shouldn't have been. And people will speak about Luton Town this year. It's like Luton are giving. They'll get it a more go. points than Derby. They'll get They'll more, get points, more points, points than Derby. Yeah. They get more points than Sunderland as well. They were like, you still had sides that effectively came up and rolled over and died. That's kind yeah. of what you ended up with um, um, here. But yeah, in the league, it was it Man U end up winning rather depressingly. Yeah. When the double man, you don't they? They, they, they do. that's always one that gets blanked. I always say that that league and Champions League Good. got glossed over. No, it's you, I, no, no, I'm, I'm all right. Say, <laughs> you know, it does, it always got blanked. That one that's at that time, well, massive achievement, massive because you, you'd be getting like, like I know Pep on the cell, but you'd be getting programs made by you for, for years on end. Now, have you done that again? It's just them two. Poor, it, it, poor points, poor pod, points tally for the champions, though. Less than what, what? yeah, of course. The level's been well, raised now, Gareth. There is, there is one, I suppose, you know, at this point in time, I'd also think as well, you've got the just to bring it on up as a clip on here the um, the Portsmouth Reading game, which I can remember match of the day that night, 7 4 this one, and match of the day that night, like being famous for Chris Kamara being at the yeah, game purely on Saturday for that one. But then on match of the day, there was other big games on, loads of goals involving teams at the top of the table. It was like, and the first game we're showing is actually Portsmouth versus Reading. So you just put, if you, if you went through though that period of not knowing the score at all, you'd have thought, what the fuck happened here? And this guy was a David riot. James, finish from Dave Kitson here. Yeah. I would say that in any season, though. What David James is doing? Dave Kitson. What a goal! <laughs> Secret footballer, apparently, isn't he? It's always rumored to be him. This is all, 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 all Redknapp's best, though. Horidus and Crankyar, where he brings his old mates ben in Jarny. everywhere he goes. Ben, like... everyone, yeah. <laughs> I love Ben Jarny. I know he gets a bit of stick. I fucking love him. When they, 
and they spent all that money and then eventually it was the thing that ended up breaking the fucking club as with most Harry Redknapp projects at some point isn't it Funny didn't that. then Johnny go to City obviously Redknapp tells that story where he literally had to beg him to go because <laughs> they would get like 10 mil for him or something weren't he but I, I always remember he scored at Old Trafford though and a win I'm sure he did for City I made up for him there because like, he got some stick he got some stick <laughs> I like him I remember his finishing was 10 on footy manager out of 20. <laughs> That's not what you want if you're main man in the Premier League, is it? You're gonna you're gonna be struggling all year with that. What a volley that is! <laughs> that was by James, James Harper. Harper, ex Arsenal, ex Arsenal youth. You'd see that a lot. A sort of reserve, you know. Oh, that bloke played for us, and then he's gone away. There he was, Chris Kamara. Fucking loving it, he was. What a pen. Utaka is that Montari? They had a good Probably team, Montari, Pompey though. They yeah, had a yeah. fucking good team. Utaka, Montari. Then they got after Benjani, but didn't they get Defoe and Crouching? Yeah. And then David James and they had Campbell. Saul Campbell played for them as well, didn't he? Canu. Did. They had a fucking good side. But, uh, going back to the Arsenal then, JP, uh, what were your views at Adebayo um, this season? Because he scored two hat tricks, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. He come over. Uh, was he the replacement for Henri at this point? Yep. So he had had. Um, so he joined actually in the January transfer window um, beforehand from Monaco, and he scored a few goals that season. He was like the target man. Now he was different, obviously, to Thierry Henri. Anyone going to be exactly like him? But what he was was as a like a kind of that focal point of the attack. He just did the job, and he ran because he was trying. And then all of a sudden, Man City got interested at the end of the season, and he went, "Right, I'm off. Bye bye." And he was just—that was it. That was him gone. He didn't give a shit. He would. That was when he would. De- he signed a new contract. He worked his ass off. Signed a new contract. This sounds familiar to a lot of people who are aware of the career of Emmanuel Adebayor. Gets it, and then goes, "Right, I'm downing tools. I'm doing nothing." And I say about Rouge, it's very much more Shinsuke Nakamura, if you're like kind of thinking in in wrestler terms as well. Fuck it, I'm not working anymore. He was he was proper lazy. God bless. JP two hundred grand a week at City, like before it became fashionable. When he said two hundred grand a week, mate. I know. Back then, that's what oh, they he... did. That was their policy: buy our players. Yeah, Delta's at least was. was buy our transfers. Sanya, Klichy, like, Nasri, Adibayor, load, Erdi. So Adibayor scored thirty goals that season for Arsenal. Yep. Can you name yeah. the other four Arsenal players that make up the top five? Of goal scorers that season in no order, yes. Oh my god, um, I'm trying to think of who is still in that team because Lundberg's gone, Henri's gone, Eduardo, yes, Eduardo. yep. Um, a player that went, a player that went to Manchester United in 2012. Oh, Robin Van Persie. Yep, uh, a player that went to Barcelona in 2011. I was going to say him. Sounds unnerringly familiar here. Um, 2011, fucking hell. Oh, I can't think. No, Sesk. Got a, Sesk, got Sesk. oh, for yeah. fuck's sake. Round, rounding off the list with nine goals that season was uh, Nicholas Bentner. Oh. I, at that point in time, <laughs> mate, I thought he was going to be really fucking good. I got that wrong. I think like he I did, did with all well. of that youth intake at that point in time. <laughs> was he ever good, Jamie? Can I ask Theo Walcott, was he in that list? 
No, Ad- it was Adebayor, Fabregas, Eduardo, Van Persie and Bentner. Those top five. Can I ask a question about an Arsenal player? Like I always, he, he was only there a couple of seasons. Was he ever any good to Nielsen in centre mid? Was was he ever no. like no, no good at all? He was shit, absolute <laughs> shit. He makes me fucking physically angry if you talk about him. A lazy sack of shit. That okay, never sorry, fucking ran. Sorry, never ran. He didn't get even called up for Brazil, and every cunt got called up for Brazil, and he never fucking got called up. Good, good reason. Bollocks. There's a, there's a clip of Wayne Rooney where even the referee and Wayne Rooney out-sprint the Nilsson. This is in tracking back as well. Just shit. He offered nothing, that bloke. Cunt. That's the word I use. <laughs> now I'm glad I asked. Right. So moving on swiftly. Um, the 22nd of September, moving on to uh, more uh, fight-based sports, was UFC 76, subtitled Knockout as they wanted to do back in the day. Matty, can you tell me something uh, out of order about the title? UFC 76, knockout? Out of order? Yeah, there, the was an, there wasn't a knockout on the whole card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they must have sat up all night thinking of that name as well, Liam. A big rumour, like, mm. like people decided on that name. <laughs> but yeah, um, this was back when people used to watch the UFC. Um Gareth, was this... IWC UFC this, mate. Stars UFC this. I would say this is more the uh, Michael Bay UFC this is, isn't it? Stars (laughs) everywhere, explosions, knockouts, fireworks, the lot. Uh, Gareth, so am I right in thinking this is when you had a passing interest in the UFC and we're watching it regularly? Yeah, this is probably like around... There was probably like a four-year period where I was like heavily into it you know watching absolutely everything under the sun watching all like the magazine programs buying magazines mma magazines and everything like there was just that that run around this time that i was just like watching more of this than i was watching wrestling at that time yeah probably it was uh it was it was one of those where it was just it was just it was just better in terms of the way that it was it was produced, the little sort of like videos, the way they got you to be invested in the fighters, even if it was a new guy that you didn't know and stuff like that. The little one minute video that just give you a bit of backstory or things like that on it was all just so much better produced. But I just think as a sport, it was it was just more exciting and more enjoyable, I think, because it was still, despite you being up to like UFC 76 at this point, obviously it was still like massively in its infancy. Um, the volume of fighters was much smaller, you know, coming off the back of you know the the pride takeover and things things like that you just start to see like the ufc roster get boosted at this time but just stylistically as well i think this was like one of those where you know you were you were genuinely in that territory where you know people would have the old styles make fights cliches and you'd have a wrestler against a boxer or you'd have like a brazilian jiu-jitsu guy against a wrestler or something like that and it was just like Nobody was as well-rounded, whereas like everyone, it feels like these days is a seven out of ten in absolutely everything. Like yeah. here, you'd have somebody who had like knockout power versus somebody who had absolutely no fucking like stand-up defense, or you'd have somebody who was like ten out of ten for jujitsu up against a guy who couldn't grapple for shit and stuff like that. So, so you just the dynamic of the fights just felt like they were a bit more spontaneous. Anything could happen pretty much at, at any time. But as you say, Liam, this. This card itself is one that, you know, 
every fight goes a distance on the main card, doesn't it? You know, yeah. or pretty much, you know, with 15 seconds off it with the uh, Forrest Griffin Shogun who yes, were fighting. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, um, but this is one that I just feel like for stars of the time, like when you just, when I put this on and you were like, look, you, know, like you looked at the names on the list of it being like Chuck Liddell, Shogun, who were Forrest Griffin, you know, Diego Sanchez, who's like one of my all-time favourites, Leo Machida been on there, and even just guys who felt like a bit more like star quality at this time, just because you just you saw them a lot. It was people just like a, a John Fitch or a Tyson Griffin or you know even yeah. on the undercard like someone on the up here like a Anthony Johnson and things like that. It felt like you were more familiar with these people because it was this smaller pool and they were just, they were fighting what seemed like more regularly. So you almost felt like you were following the journey of a lot of different people, uh, 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 you know, one one show to the next at, 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 at this time. And it's just, just proper glory, like glory days. Just like it's so... the guy Vince wanted so much, eh? Mike Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mike Goldberg. Like a big contract, didn't he? And he turned it down. Yeah, I tell you what, when you see Rogan, Rogan's definitely off the steads here at this point. He's a right yeah. skinny bloke well. at this point. Like, <laughs> small bloke at this stage. Well, yeah, going, going going back to what Gareth was saying about the UFC, um, not not to take too long on it, but um, it's a very oversaturated product at the moment. It's I remember this period of uh, UFC was one of its busiest periods, but it was still a pay-per-view every six to eight weeks. So when a pay-per-view did come around, it felt like an event that you would go out yeah. your way to watch. Whereas now you have a UFC event every week. People don't necessarily know who's going to fight who next. The ranking systems is a bit skewed in terms of the fighters who make the most money, like in boxing, um, seem to jump over a lot of deserving contenders who should be deserving of a title fight. But Matty, I know you're a big fan of stars with a Z. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say this is the pinnacle of yeah. the UFC in terms of crossover towards somebody like yourself who never really had a massive interest in it, but in terms of recognisable names oh, and yeah. people you would know, would you say this is the period you're most familiar with? Yeah, it's even like evident. Chuck Liddell's in the Nickelback Rockstar video, isn't he? You've got Couture. Is he on commentary on this? Am I right, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got Anderson Silva in the front row. What they're building up for the Chuck Liddell fight, which obviously doesn't go... Uh, I don't know if that still happens mm. uh, with uh, the result of the main event. But yeah, this is like proper, like big guns, like stars. And this is slap bang in the middle, boys, in that Affliction T-shirt era, isn't it? I mean, like, <laughs> so I had about two of them really big UFC fans. And like all the, all the like Triple H and Randy Orton T-shirts at the time were all modelled on like the, the Affliction yeah. style of the UFC, just... Yeah, big guns, Liam. Like, and it's what it is. And even watching, I watched all this uh, main event. I had a great time watching it. To be fair, like Rogan is great on commentary. I don't know if he's regarded mm. as a good commentator. I think he's fucking brilliant on commentary. Like, JP, uh, any thoughts of UFC this time? At this point in time, like, it's you know what? When I was watching this, because it was, I was like. It was more or less like I'd have to. Sir Paul would have been my entry into a lot of this stuff uh, at this stage in terms of torrenting bloody relentless amounts of uh, of UFC. It does feel like because I like Pride, the Pride Fighting Championship. I love the kind of idea, and it's almost like what they did at this stage is they've gotten they've got the Ultimate Fighter established. They've gotten over the kind of financial problems. They're able to run in Vegas, so they're not like kind of 
having to fucking do shows in Alabama and the rest of it. It's like they're a, they're a big kind of event, yeah. and they kind of do the invasion angle well with the Pride lads. If they'd done it better, they would have set up Pride in Japan, had that as an entity, and then run WrestleMania. You'd have booked this like kind of wrestling, wouldn't you? And done these big one-on-one things. But it's the, it's the level of stars that are coming in, and you can see it here with the video viewers. You can see how many people are coming from Pride. Why? Because you can see the ring. So yeah. your Shogun Hooers, the Oto Machida, um, you know, Quinton Jackson, Rampage Jackson's in the oh, yeah, row. Vondelay like, uh, Silva is there as well. And it is like, this is the real rise. John Fitch, I always think, if I'm right in thinking he's the guy, because effectively he'll just wrestle you and grapple you to death. Yeah, lay and yeah. pray, lay and pray. Yeah. I was going to say, God, if I love him then. <laughs> no, <laughs> never, a, never a John Fitch guy. Me and Dana White were on the uh, same page with that yeah. one. He was You're an armbar guy though, God, if I, for me, UFC, I just want someone who's coming over and giving you spinning elbows and spinning uh, back kicks. Dam- Damien Meyer for me, like taking the back and just uh, yeah, just uh, slowly uh, slowly working and submission. Breaking you down. Lovely <laughs> stuff. Oh, 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 my boy. I'll get, give him a reference. Who's my pal Harris? Uh, just to, is a just a me bars like bars there uh, <laughs> I would say here like Forrest Griffin versus Shogun um versus Shogun who is a, is a cracking fight on here yeah. as well like yeah. it's it's proper like all action UFC the kind of reminding you of like that final of the ultimate fighter basically where Forrest Griffin just goes out and fucking swings for the fences and everything else but it's it, it's it's like a, a point in time where they're like they're really on the come up they're not yeah. the monolith they are now as part of TKO and everything else, where they're just like they're a money making machine and they're incredibly well produced, but it's very lifeless and sterile for me. Yeah, like, I miss well, pay per views all the time. I don't worry about it. Well, just to give this some context, uh, in March of 2007, uh, the UFC did, or Zufa at the time did buy Pride. So, mm. what you can see with this card is the amalgamation of the Pride talent coming over to the UFC. It does go some way to spoil some of their plans, though, because a couple of the big fights that they wanted to make was Vanderlei Silva versus Chuck Liddell. They wanted that as a massive New Year's Eve fight in Vegas. Chuck Liddell lost to uh, Keith Jardine in the main event of this card. So that The Dean fight, of Mean. The Sorry, Dean no, of I've Mean. Got, that's one of the great nicknames of all time, that. <laughs> one, uh, once met Keith Jardine and a Foot Locker in Birmingham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Love that actual true story. Uh, yeah, and uh, Shogun Hua, who at the time was one of the most regarded coming over from Pride to enter to enter the um, division, and he lost to Forrest Griffin. So, two of the bigger fights they wanted to make um, after the purchase of Pride were scuppered because of the results on this card. Chuck Liddell, this could be probably pointed to the downswing of Chuck Liddell's career from this mm. point onwards. He never really maintained his win streak or his star quality at the top of the card at this point. After this, he would get knocked out a few times and knocked out by Rich Franklin, I think he was. Rashad Evans with a knockout that I think everybody Did Brock seen. Brock do him as well, Liam? If, no. Um, Brock, Brock, Brock was heavyweight while he was light heavyweight. Oh. Um it felt uh, like the Undertaker to me, where he just kept they kept rolling Chuck out, and it was yeah. like, "Is don't roll him out anymore? Don't don't roll him don't roll him out anymore." He's fit, like you're gonna he's gonna get hurt, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and you felt like you're protective. Not of that long ago since his last match, and that was bad. That yeah. was terrifying to see. But as Matty says, a massive star back then. Chuck Liddell was he was the kind of him and T, him and Tito Ortiz, Ortiz were. Yeah. 
were the two guys that you would recognise even if you didn't have a passing interest in UFC. Also, just a reference with this, in terms of popularity of the UFC, this was a weird time for UFC in this country because Sky did play around with it for a while in terms of coverage, but never really fully committed. These events up until I think two after were on Bravo on a 24-hour delay that they would air on a Sunday night on Bravo before they would ultimately go to Satanta. And then they would become that rights package that everything that replaced Satanta would get. So ESPN afterwards had it, BT had it, TNT Sports had it, Sky never got UFC, but it was very well, very well exposed in this country at that point because it was at the time, prime time on Bravo, which was a channel that was not part of a premium package like a sports channel. And as Matty said, you know, Affliction t-shirts were crossing over into the mainstream. The The event after this is the event that they announced Brock Lesnar is coming into the UFC. So that was a massive announcement, which made wrestling fans at the time who never watched UFC look at UFC um, to see what was going on. But yeah, uh, for me, this is part of the pinnacle years of the UFC where everything felt like an event and everything felt essential to watch. Whereas I don't think that is very much the case now mm. with it. Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. I think once the, once the, it got merged as well um, and the, the lighter weight divisions came in and suddenly you had like, you know, you, you had eight, nine kind of like divisions that you had to like pay attention to. And then all of those divisions then got deeper and deeper. Suddenly you're having to like pay attention to like, what felt like four times as many guys or five times as yeah. many guys. And then events happening every week. It's just like, this is too okay, much. It was like, yeah, well, it, was, it, was, it was just like, I can't keep on top of this. Like I, I'm, I'm not on this. I'm not on the journey with these guys. Like, I, you yeah. know, there was those people you'd maybe see their first fight that they would have on a preliminary card and they get a good win, a good knockout or something. You're like, ah, oh, I remember him next time. And then you see his name again and then you watch his fight and you sort of like, you know, now it's just like fucking just so many names for and nobody nobody sticks kind of thing really. So it, just, it feels so different. Yeah, I think a combination of too many fighters, the addition of weight classes, and something that I don't think can be underestimated: fight kits. I think the personality of fighters was so much to do with what they wore in the octagon yeah. or what they wore to the octagon. Yeah. Everybody knows BJ Penn shorts with the black belt, Chuck Liddell's eye shorts, Tito Ortiz's shorts with the flames on. Everybody, you know, they're iconic images for the fighters. And when they signed that contract with Reebok, where every fighter pretty much wore a alteration on a design, it kind of just took, it just took any sort of personality away from the fighters that you could be flicking a channel. And once upon a time, if you saw Chuck Liddell shorts, you would know that was Chuck Liddell. Whereas now it's fighters are interchangeable as bad as that sounds, that the product itself is just so saturated that it's a content provider more so than an event provider. Yeah. Shout that. Uh, and Diego Sanchez doing his uh, yes chance, Matty, that uh, Daniel Bryan stole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, any any knock on Brian's happy with me, guys? <laughs> so yeah, finally closing off the month, uh, keeping in the uh, fight sport realm was the world middleweight title fight between uh, Kelly Pavlik and Jermaine Taylor. Now I'll just speak on this first. This was big at the time. I remember going back to uh, 
my nights in nightclubs and Saturday rushing home to watch this because it was such an event. Uh, it was back in the days of HBO boxing, which is the pinnacle of boxing um, coverage. If anybody who's watched this um, can probably attest to uh, the two middleweights in the world at this moment, the two best middleweights in the world, uh, contrasting styles. Jermaine Taylor had come off beating Bernard Hopkins twice and beating his 20 defence, middleweight title defence reign, uh, fought him in a rematch and beat him in that as well. Jermaine Taylor was being groomed as the next star of American boxing, but after beating Bernard Hopkins, put in a couple of lackadaisical performances. Kelly Pavlik was from Youngstown, Ohio, uh, working class um, area of America, where he was knocking out everybody he was facing, and very, very basic a fighter, but what he did was good. Um, these two built up to fight each other. It was a big event for the middleweight title of the world. It was a great fight. I won't spoil it for anyone um, who hasn't seen it, but anybody watch this or watch the highlights of this? I'm going to spoil it, Liam. Yeah, no, carry on, carry on. Yeah, I fucking like, like, this is the era again. Shout out to me, mate, Joey, once again, who's like boxing family and you get on great with him. He's like, he lives for boxing. Boxing and golf, but there is two sports he knows inside out. <laughs> but boxing is like, he, he no, he lives for it, Liam. Like, and two natural bedfellows. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the time, like you're saying there, where, like, I, these were all on Sky Sports. Sky Sports 1, weren't they, Liam? There were no pay-per-views yeah, 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 these yeah. fights. So I'd watch these with, with, with Joey. Like, we just sitting his all night playing on like pro evo and waiting for these fights to come on and like i remember these names when you put this down i was like fucking taking me right back to that era jermaine taylor like and remember them being at hopkins fights but this for me was like i remember kelly pavlik as well but as you say he was very like i don't know he just <laughs> i couldn't believe when he won this because I, I can't remember who won it and when he uh, he nails him doesn't he in the seventh lane, he absolutely oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. pummels him like but the first three three rounds of this fight are just you come out the blocks. None of this like you see in most fights where like hugging early or like feeling each other out and throwing no punches. These two come out for the first three rounds and fucking start throwing bombs at each other. And then it calms down a little bit and then it comes back up in like the seventh round where he stops them. But I fucking love this fight for it. It was great stuff. Anybody? Oh, coming off the floor in the second isn't it and he just gets yeah. knocked down and it's just like like, like Matty I'd go, I watched the highlights of this and it's starting to the seventh and the crowd are going fucking batshit yeah well like you know that they've seen an absolute cracker of a fight uh, here as well and it, it, like you say because it's, it's got the I'm a sucker for HBO what can I say so you see HBO around the place and naturally I'm much more kind of like intrigued by it but yeah I, it's I would have missed this at the time. I was always like aware of Jermaine Taylor. I don't know as, as much as, as boxing as, as, as you lads, but it would like going to see this sort of not knowing really to any too much about like, Kelly Pavlik. Fucking cracking, absolute belter of a fight. This one, get a chance to see it. It's just like, and it's it's got the proper contrast, isn't it? It's got your yes. kind of your smooth, slick champion versus your kind of like kind of gritty. Warrior, working class, yeah. like warrior who takes that punch and keeps on coming, and it's yeah, it's 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 a cracking fight. 
even in them low rounds, Liam, isn't it? And boys, like even in them like quieter rounds per se, there's still no running away. It's a proper fight still. There's none of this like backing off. There's like the coming in tight and yeah, and the ref. I thought the ref was good in this as well. I thought he let it go. Yeah. Yeah, and he breaks it up when necessary. None of this like over the top. He just lets them like even when the like the clenching for ages and he's not breaking it up, which was good to see as well. So gotta give props to the ref there and yeah, the fans, them first three rounds, especially boys. Once again, I use it again. Like Stone Cold walked out, they're fucking all just like re- jumping out of the, the skins. Yeah. Like it's fucking brilliant. Oh, I, I, I love, like, I watched all this fight and like Liam's going to knock me out now himself because I'm, I'd literally never heard of either of these guys. No idea who they are no? at all. Can't, no, never heard the name. Like the names just didn't, didn't resonate or anything with me. And then so I was just like throwing this on and. I was just absolutely just captivated for the full fight. Like just the all that with the second round, just like getting off the deck and then just like the fucking staying power, just like because his legs are as wobbly as fuck, aren't they? Yeah, like he's when, gone, uh, he's when Taylor, Taylor's trying to finish him after that knockdown, but he just stays and stays and then just fucking regroups and then, you know, just the just watching kind of and just evolve and start to take control. And you're just like Fucking hell, how hard is he? Like kind of thing when you when you're watching it and just just, just see that come come back and like when he when he gets the win like that at the end there that fucking combo that he hits him with the proper rocks him into the corner who just like fucking like get get, get on that like I, I proper felt like watch after I'd watched this oh god I really missed out not been like. Not watching this was this, a good era, wasn't it, Liam? This, for this, this, this yes, era, good era. very very good era. Winky Wright and Hopkins like... and all that. That little still going, isn't he? Mayweather's on like he's not money Mayweather yet, is he? But he's yeah. like yeah. on the up kind of thing. Pacquiao was on the rise up, and even even I coming know. even coming to the UK. I mean, Hatton was fighting, Calzaghe was fighting. So yeah. you had your fighters yeah. that were world level that you wanted to see go over to America and fight. But yeah, with this um, basic story of the fight, first two rounds, Jermaine Taylor. Looked like the old Jermaine Taylor, the guy who beat Bernard Hopkins. Uh, knocked down Pavlik. Um, Pavlik got up, um, made it to the end of the round. And then I think something something set off in Kelly Pavlik when he realised, I'm going to have to throw with him. Because up until that point, it was Jermaine Taylor behind a jab, bamboozling Pavlik and freezing him almost. And Pavlik realised he had to punch with him. And then I think slowly Pavlik got back into the fight wearing down Taylor and I think Taylor may have took a bit out of himself trying to look for the finish in that second round and then the finish from Pavlik is is great I mean the ebb and flow of this fight is incredible it was voted fight of the year by many uh, boxing writers at that year just to um, talk a bit about the arena Pavlik took 6,000 people from Youngstown Ohio with him in the crowd for this so half of the arena was his support this is a this is Atlantic City this is uh, the site of WrestleMania four and five. Uh, yeah, I recognise that yeah. ceiling. Trump Plaza, to, it? yeah, the, yeah, as the Trump as the Trump Plaza Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. This was, um, yeah. After this fight, this is probably Kelly Pavlik's greatest moment. After this fight, um, they fought again in a rematch. There was a rematch clause where Jermaine Taylor could, or whoever lost the fight, could um, trigger a rematch clause where. They would have a non-title fight. They fought non-title, which Pavlik won uh, on a unanimous decision. So he won both fights. He then moved up in weight to a catch weight to fight Bernard Hopkins. Uh, Bernard Hopkins absolutely schooled him. 
uh, with everything pointing towards Pavlik being too high up in weights at the time. This was Hopkins at the point who was about 40... Ooh, I want to say about forties, about yeah, about forty-five, yeah, forty-six definitely. at this point. At this point, um, neither guy really got to this height again. Uh, Jermaine Taylor then carried on with his career. He got knocked out by Carl Frotch in a fight he was winning in the last round of a fight, and then he got that. knocked last he ten knocked, seconds, isn't it? Yeah, literally, literally last ten seconds of the fight, he got knocked out. Then he got knocked out by Arthur Abraham. Uh, Kelly Pavlik stuck around for a bit. He got injured and he had problems outside the ring. He was supposed to fight Andre Ward at some point, but an injury to Andre Ward stopped that fight from ever going to head. He retired, I think, in 2011. So when Gareth says he wasn't aware of either of these guys, it's not surprising as their time at the top of the sport was very, very small in the grand scheme of a boxing uh, boxing champion. Um, mm. Yeah, just this fight in a nutshell of its time, what it represented, the two best middleweights at that point fighting each other. The fighter who's been written off as his best days may have been behind him after the Hopkins fight versus a guy who was this basic fighter that people expected to be outboxed, but coming from behind to get the knockout with base. It, it was heart. It was heart more than anything that saw him through the fight. It was just for this time with that HBO logo on the screen, with the build-up show, it's just very much... This is what boxing was at this period of time. Can I mention uh, Lennox Lewis on comms as well? Because I love that. Whenever you get a proper legend of the sport on commentary, yeah. I'm all for that. And I, I think I don't know if I asked you this last time, Liam. Like for me, maybe a few years ago, this like Lennox got gets blank for me in like, you know, best. I, I know he's not the greatest of all time, but he should be in that like, you know, conversation where I think now people are leaning, you're in and get mentioned a little bit more. What's your take on Lennox like? Um, to sum it up very succinctly, I would say that Lennox Lewis has a much better resume than Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, or any, uh, Alexander Usyk. I think Lennox Lewis is probably, well. Last twenty-five years, I'd say he's probably the greatest heavyweight. Yeah, you? you never not... hear him. He's beat everyone. He's fought. that's the shout at Whoever he's been in there, he's beat them. He might have lost, but he's always won in the rematch, hasn't he? Yeah, that's, that's it. He's, that's he's, the yeah, shout. he's, he's beat, beat everyone he's ever fought. I love that. And yeah. undisputed champion as well, weren't he? So it's like, you know, uh, was he? He was undisputed, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But... I always think, I always think this coming from it very briefly with Lennox Lewis, the fact that he was represented Britain, but he was Canadian, and there was always that sort of snobbery. You saw it with yeah. Greg Grzedski on a tennis yeah. level, didn't you? And yeah. I always thought they, 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 that same thing carried over where there was an element of they never really took to him necessarily in this country. Davy Boy Smith tried his best. In I was going to say, he's not Canadian at SummerSlam 92, is he? <laughs> he's, now, that would have been an angle if he turned oh, heel on Davy Boy Smith because Bret Hart could have won at Wembley. <laughs> I'd have been fucking all over that. That would have been, that would have been incredible. Incredible stuff. But always, uh, last one on Lewis, though. Do you remember, uh, was it the Rachman uh, fight, Liam, where yeah. that scrap on the TV show and he yeah, destroyed yeah. the set? Pro yeah. wrestling, Gareth, it's just unbelievable stuff. Like. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. dig that out after this. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, I think that's it for the sport. So it's now time for the television round. And it is indeed. here I am passing over to JP. Television for September 2007. Wow. And it's a wacky collection on this as well. I have to say, my soap knowledge when it came round to we get round to that bit was just like, I don't know what's going on here. This is crazy. Phil Daniels is in it. But first of all, we're going to start off with 
I'm not sure if this is the beginning of it. Is is this the first kind of iteration of celebrity who wants to be a millionaire? Um, you know what? I didn't like straight off the bat. Sorry, JP. I didn't like the format they changed. I, no. I prefer the old one, two, four, eight, sixteen. I don't like this. Uh, Go no. to twenty five and fifty. Grand. I don't like it. They're no. giving money away here as well. <laughs> yeah. I might add. I don't. I'm not a fan of the format. I'm not a fan of people playing for charity. There's no fucking stakes, is there? Really. I didn't know they were brothers. I had no <laughs> idea they were brothers. Yeah. Exactly, exactly the same, Gareth. When I saw these two and they were announced as brothers together, I was like, what? I did not know this at all. I thought yeah. they were joking. I was having to go, I had to go and Google it just to like see if it was a gag or something like that. Yeah. But like, I was like, I blew my mind. You know, I was a bit pissed off though, because it's for charity. They kind of dismissed the last lifeline. You, 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 Tim Vines like, oh, we'll save it for later on. I don't know why I'm this passionate by it. Sorry, you're passionate by it. But it's like, it's for charity. Fucking get to the next question and then do it. You know what I mean? Like, get, build your money up. I was fucking hate. I was screaming at the fucking telly, hating it. Spoiler alert for video viewers. They fucked this up, this particular <laughs> question. Sorry, going. And I Sorry. thought it was Donald as well. I was thinking, what's an old man's name? 1950s, you know, from a fellow who was president in the 1950s, so assuming he's born in the late 1880s. And it's it, it's not Donald, it's David is his middle yeah. name. So that's what the D and Dwight D. Eisenhower, which I thought I, I thought these two underperformed. I that mean, if you're being outshone by Rick Parfit and, and Francis too casual. status quo, yeah. they're Do you know very what, I, was, I, I was captivated by this program. Honestly, I haven't watched Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in fucking years. I was watching this. I was absolutely just like, for the whole thing, I was just like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't miss a second. I didn't fast forward at any point or anything like that. Proper, like, proper enjoyed it. it was, Do you uh, remember, boys, when it first came out? Say, I'm not, I say, I've said, I've said this on a, on a previous episode or on Spotlight or something. Like, this was so big when it came out, JP. Like, big, this yeah. was like, Every single night, you you had to watch this, and especially if it carried over to the next night, yeah. you were like you, you were waiting all day for high, it. It was so high big. concept. Yeah, it was Unreal. just a very high concept, and the fact that you weren't playing for a million on TV, were you? You weren't. Like the, you didn't have that in a, in a show like it was a million. If you look at prizes these days, like fifteen to one, you got a dish. Yeah, you had to exactly, work like a it? motherfucker to win that. Like, and that's shocking. Really Say it, JP. It's my favourite shout. That is the G1 of game shows, isn't it? I love that it shout is. so much. It's a, so G, perfect. G1 without the Wrestle Kingdom title shot, frankly. <laughs> it's like, well done at the end of it. It's like, remember the PlayStation 1 game as well, Millionaire, where like, even as a kid, just playing that all day and night. Fucking, honestly, it was so big. I remember the them show. releasing it releasing it near Christmas as the way of like... this. And the interactive DVDs, JP, they're not soft. They used to do all that near Christmas. Not oh, yeah. soft. They used to have all that stuff around Christmas on there as well. But I thought, I did think these two kind of underperformed necessarily. And I like, yeah, it was really weird. I can remember my dad in his, like going to visit him before before he passed away. And he'd always be watching Challenge TV. And he'd always be watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I'd forget that it wasn't present day. So there's questions from like 2008 and stuff. And I'm going like, like what's going on? Why don't I know the answer? It's incredibly specific questions for like three, four grand or whatever. But it just, he would he would watch that stuff. And like Gareth says, there's an incredible replay kind of value for it as well. Best and a little bit, little bit of bants, little bit of bants with, uh, with Chris Tarrant there. But yeah, it was... Um, it was, it was always a fun watch, wasn't it? Uh, at yeah. this point in time, I'm not sure necessarily. Like, has anybody else got anything they'd like to add regarding uh, uh, 
celebrity who wants to, who wants to be a millionaire. There's no cheating that gets involved. I should point that out. I'm just, I'm just laughing. That, sadly. I'm just laughing with um, with Liam saying that he bumped into Keith Jardine. It was uh, when you got your next two on here, and it was Rick Parfit and Francis Rossi. I always remember bumping into Francis Rossi in a hotel in Blackpool as well. So there you go. We're keeping a little little streak here <laughs> of a little uh, 2007 celebrity. Ah, that was about like ten or something like that, you know. Like so, but it was a uh, photo and autograph. Uh, what you, what you I'm want shy. from the uh, lead status quo fan in those days? <laughs> my mum has always been a big status quo fan. I had like I didn't have Liam's dad in my house. Like kind of, I would have been weird. But like <laughs> in terms of musical influences and the rest of it, you know, like I had my mum with capital gold and status quo being like nothing. She absolutely fucking loved on there you know, as well. You know, you know, I'm always one for the clobber boys. I know we can mention Rossi's jacket in a minute. What's your reckon on tying tying shirt combo? It's awful. Yeah, I I noticed that last night when I was watching this. It's got like a red stripe down both sides, isn't it? It's like he's wearing. It looks like he's wearing braces when he like his jacket moves. It's awful. It's really weird. Proper Irwin Arshoist. Look how bad it is, though. <laughs> I have to say as well, Rick Parfit's brother-in-law, fucking useless. Oh, like, he, he, he just sits there. He asks, if he you're asking to repeat the question, and it's just like he's just like, nah, sorry, I don't know. It's like, well, I needn't have bothered having you included. I think his name's Bob. He's a, you're a disgrace. Some blatant googling going on in the background there that they didn't have time to get to. I thought that one that was a uh, <laughs> was telltale signs there. He had a tarrant. Anybody oh, actually Tarrant like Chris Tarrant? I like Tarrant. Yeah, I think he's all right. I'm not a massive Tarrant fan, but I'll put it this way. I haven't watched one episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire ever since he's... I was just going to say, does anyone watch it now? Is it Clarkson? Last I've yeah. seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't watched wrestling Good TV show, in five years. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. You know? That's true. And Tarrant, man, old man. Do you ever remember man, old man? Hey, I was a big... I, I would say, you know, I was a big fan of Clive James back in the day, like taking the piss out of Japanese game shows. And Chris Tarrant took up that mantle with surprising ease with Tarrant on TV as well. And the wacky stuff he'd have before you get to a serious kind of car crash ad from Australia where you go, oh, Christ, that's horrible. <laughs> like they just yeah. throw that into the mix as well. And, uh, yeah, did he jump the shot when the lad cheated? Probably. Well, I was going to ask you two guys being the elder statesman, not a Tiz was guy, was it? No. <laughs> that even before your time. <laughs> what is it? OTT? OTT? Was that the adult? Was it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it OT, OTT? It was. was it? Yeah. Adult Tiz was. It was on there. There's a, there's a good few time, jokes which we'll leave out of the mix. Before before my time, Matty, that one. Um, Sorry, boys. It's the next, it, was, it was the next guest on this one as. Uh, I was going to ask you opinion on it as well. Steve Redgrave. I hate Steve Redgrave. Does anybody <laughs> like? Steve? I've, I've always had this like. I don't know if it's like an irrational hatred of Steve Redgrave, Britain's greatest Olympian TM kind of thing, but you know, it's just look like some old skinny fella who got roads to victory by four oh, of the lads to me, or three or four wait. of the lads. Like, wait, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, that, Matty, I'm getting his up now because you just put it in the head. He always looked about 50, didn't he? He's like a wrestler one now, getting his age up like, when he won his, his goal. See, kind of, I, I'm, I'm rigid in a way that he did seem like Mr. Boring, but I'm not going against me thing of like I said it on, I think it's one of the previous episodes. Like, we never back a winner, 
We always back that Eddie the Eagle finishing last underdog, and it does my head in. We should get behind like Lewis Hamilton and Redgrave, though, Gareth, for the same time, because they're winners. <laughs> we should be having them in high esteem. You know what I mean? Americans don't give a shit about losers. They, want, they care about winners. You know I mean? did, you, did, you, uh, did, you, did you bring up his age? Do you know how old he is now? I've, yeah, I've got it here. Yeah. Have a guess, boys. Go on. You, you, I've seen it myself, Liam, as well. What do you reckon? Well, he was about 60 when he got his last gold medal, and Matthew Pinson <laughs> rode him to a gold medal. <laughs> Where's the flowers for that bastard? Worked his arse off. He should have ended up with the Ben Fogel gig. Steve Steve Redgrave is 61 years old. So Gareth, when he won his last gold medal, he was only he was 38 my age now. (laughs) Well, a year older than me. To quote quote Brian Potter from uh, Phoenix Knights, giving knighthoods to boat people is a bit much. And this is when he gets find out about the Sir Steve Red Grape suite. You're not having it as a share, Gareth. No, not having that one. Nah, the, the John Tenter of Ruin. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how smug he is, though. Yeah, I will say, I will say about this episode, though. Like, I cannot stand Jeremy Vine, but I like Tim Vine, and yeah. they kind of had a bit of a laugh and a joke with it, and then. Status quo played off each other well, I thought. These two came on and it was so boring as a contestant. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't care if you win or lose here. And it's yeah. I just I just couldn't care. They just did nothing to appeal to me. They were married, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're not having red gravy, just as normal, you know, purple shirt. You're not having that kind of thing. Just a it's telly, mate. I was made up. Telly. I was made up when he fucked it and they ended up with a grand. Are <laughs> <laughs> you were, were you expecting him to show up in like full gimmick in the vest and all sorts? Of it would have been better, wouldn't it, Liam? It would have been way better. Full gear. <laughs> well, someone who does show up in full gear, it's a nice little Lincoln there. So we have another premiere to, to go to after this. We have the debut of Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares USA. Now, obviously, we'd had the British version. This one goes to uh, Peters, as uh, the name of the bloke, who Spoiler alert, he's a bit of an egotist, this lad, as he says, trying to find the fucking video for it on here as well. Uh, this guy, Peter, who will, who serves him, was it like fucking stone cold crab meat and other stuff yeah. like this? Ramsey looking quite young before he decided to just fuck around with Gino off ITV, which seems like that's a massive, that's basically like putting, that's like Drew McIntyre in 3MB, really, isn't it? You know, you, you just give him the right people. down the card, aren't you? That Trying to give Gino that Ramsey run. And Fred, uh, at, this, at, at this point, he was up for the rap, wasn't he, for this? He starts fucking slamming this place because it is a fucking shambles as well. You know, it, it was like kind of perfect telly fodder for that point in time. And Kitchen Nightmares was great. Like, He's it was, amazing, it was Ramsey, like, honestly. He cracks me up something rot. And like, I'm, I'm, you know, there's that meme. I'm sure if you scroll through Instagram, you'll see it where he's just talking to the woman and I can't do it justice, honestly, how good it is. He's like, get out my way. Get out my way. She's like, I'm not in your way. Get out my way. Get out my fucking way. And she goes, I'm not in your way. Well, fuck off, fuck off upstairs then. Honestly, boys, you've got to do it. I've got to send you it though. I've just butchered it, but I will. I will send you it. It cracks me up everything. And his appearance on Hot Ones, honestly, I... I have tears coming down my eyes about fucking God. He's got the lemon juice out and everything. It's amazing. Oh, love him. Love him. Watch him all day long. 
I need to I love, I love, I love, I love him here where he's just giving this Peter guy loads and you can just see like the, the staff in the background who clearly think he's the biggest fucking bell end in the world. Just like like the face on some of them is like Ramsey's proper just like telling him like it is in the air, like when he's fucking kicking off and fighting the fucking lone jacks in the stadium. It was a great episode this. I had the time of my life watching this. I thought, I thought I'm not going to like this when I was like play, but again, I loved every, loved every second of it. Like he's there with his big fucking fancy watching all that and Ramsey's giving him loads over his watch <laughs> and stuff because he's like he's dressed on shit and he hasn't invested anything in it. And he's he buys like, himself Ramsey a new fucking suit, yeah. doesn't he? Ram- Ramsey's asking him what time it is all the time like for his fucking watch. Man, Matty, what did you, what did, Matty, what did you think about the Doctor showing up and getting it free? free? Which? I, I, I must have missed. What, what was that, Liam? There was a doctor in the restaurant having a meal and he was having like a bottle of wine, starter, main oh, dessert. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's free for the doctor. He looks after <laughs> me, so I've got to look after him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair play. That, you know, for, for the freebie, we're all good with that. But it's like Ramsey, you know. It's like just the way, like, because I, once again, I, I always, I've seen him obviously just with us. Is uh, his cook and stuff, and then when he done all this, I, I blanked it once again. My mates watched this, watched this, and I was like, no. But then once I watched it, I was just addicted to it, like in the hotel ones and that. But yeah. he's just fucking like he is. He's outstanding. He just he just loves it though, doesn't he? You can tell he genuinely like, even though he his aims to help he, them, he loves nailing them like genuinely to like book them up and put them in the place. And that's what people like that need, don't they? They need it. We we'd had a load of nice cooks up to that point. Yeah. You know, we weren't a million miles away from Ready Steady Cook, and we had Ainsley Harriet as the face, of Jamie the Oliver, chef, and Jamie Oliver. Then there afterwards, and the rest of it. And it was like it was it was one of the ones where it was oh he was an ex footballer who'd gone into being a, a, a kind of even though he was like a, just a, he was a youth player at Rangers, wasn't he? But he swore loads, and that was it. And it felt more realistic. And I'm not yeah. sure if I, I don't I think this is out after like Kitchen Confidential and Anthony Bourdain and stuff yeah. like that, where you're getting into the nitty gritty of, of what it is to be a chef and everything else and the kind of pressurised like environment and the abuse they give each other. You see this, I, I actually started just thinking of the bear, which I know yeah, Liam, yeah, you yeah. recommended to me and, and that's what I started like thinking of the dynamics of a restaurant and stuff like that. So when I saw Peter, I was reminded by like the cousin yeah, like 100%. I, like, yeah, I thought exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. the same, JP. <laughs> like, and he, you know, he's not the same kind of character as well, but you could see how this stuff is the reality kind of TV being made. This is this is the kind of stuff you go, well, this is why you make it. It's easy, entertaining TV that you can get immediately. This guy is shit at running a restaurant. You're under no <laughs> fucking illusions about that whatsoever. He cannot do it at all. And yeah, like you guys, I don't. I had a lot of fun watching this. Can I ask a big question and give him big praise before we move on here? Is he the Steve of Chef Scarif? Ramsey, I'm going to give him that big praise there. Is he? Who's better? Who's better? All-rounder. Steve's the best all-rounder of all time for me. Who's a better all-rounder? On the mic, star-wise. Good chef. Give you the matches. <laughs> Not in Ramsey's league. Uh, you see, I, I, I'm a I'm a work rate Michelle Rue guy myself. Like, oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> Liam, who comes near? Who comes near Ramsey? Well, if Ramsey's Steve, I'm going to say Bourdain's uh, Brian Danielson. The matches, the personality, everything, it's there. Um, I'm a Keith Floyd man, big Keith Floyd man. Rick Stein, Keith Floyd. Who else we got? Rusty Lee, what a worker. 
I was going to say Rusty Lee. Right <laughs> 80s work, that, right? Nigella, no? No one a Nigella guy? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, she, Nigella yeah. was big time it, when she first dropped. Definitely. It was, it, it was, and she'd be going, oh, I'm just cooking tea for my for my um, my husband and my dad. And it's like, yeah, we're all cooking tea for a bloke who wipes <laughs> Damien Hurst's ass with tenors and a former Chancellor of the fucking Exchequer as well. Like, it was just all of these things being kind of casually thrown in. Who's Jamie Oliver? Cena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah, because I can't stand Cena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's pure Cena. He is on, on, on here as well. Um, something that we've got noted down on uh, on here, this is the passing mention, because I'd say I've never seen an episode of it, but the Big Bang Theory debuted September 24th. Um, on there, did any of you have any particularly strong memories of Big Bang Theory? I know it's obviously it's it became like kind of like a big sitcom at a time when I thought sitcoms were fucking weak, like at that stage, and it kind of like won a longevity race race but i've never seen that and so obviously i've never seen young sheldon and the like as well but yeah it's any, a big show though and it? It, it, it it's it's played oh. like it's like the new friends where it's played yeah. around the world isn't it We're on any channel like it's on loop somewhere in the world it's it's a massive show but i was never into it jp never uh, i thought i thought it was the uh, aw dynamite pre-show yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's still going to this day. Get a big rating, so it is. It's still like, but they were on. They weren't they as well, which I like. All this side, I don't know why, but I always do. It's like they were on mega money. It's them last couple yeah. of seasons. We're talking millions each of them equal. Near enough, yeah. weren't they? They were each all pretty, yeah, pretty equal though. They were all big stars in their own rights. Like he was like maybe the three of them. Like is it Penny Sheldon and I don't know the main guy's name. Penny's like on and off loving, isn't it? The one who used to be in Roseanne. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, Darlene's fella. Yeah, yeah. Like, they must have been like sharing that, like, big time. We're talking big money. Like, so uh, I just love all that. Like, like Frasier was, was the one who, who got the most winning. 2.4 million an episode he got at one point. Ridiculous. 24 episode series. <laughs> yeah. I, ho- I, ho- I hope this doesn't offend anybody that's listening, but I see Big Bang Theory as the equivalent of what I see Mrs. Brown's boys over here as. It's just unfunny on all the time. Obvious jokes that, oh, yeah, never watch an episode, never will. I can agree. Well, something that I don't even know if any of us managed to see uh, an episode of, and and this next clip is going to be very, very, very short, because uh, I did love the snide site that, that Liam had linked us to for this, but... You know, we'll get on to East Enders in a little bit. Someone who's ex East Enders in Michelle Ryan, which was this was meant to be her big TV break in the States, um, as the bionic woman, which was a role I think it was Lindsay Wagner, wasn't it, back in yep, the day, who, who'd, who'd kind of been a big star. I remember hearing about this and then never seeing it come out at all on there as well. So, 21 seconds you got to see there of that clip of the opening credit sequence for it. Um, I had issues trying to watch this, uh, like kind of. I've watched it. What I've did you make it. of it? Can you see why it wasn't renewed? Or made uh, a big, big series. Absolutely, it's it's weird. It's like she puts on an American accent. I don't understand where the premises come from. That she is the bionic woman. This is the actress we need for it. It's a very, 
it's very much of the type of a lot of those shows of that era, like Firefly, Alias, stuff like that. Um, it's very much in the similar vein to them. I don't necessarily think it's any worse than any of them, but it's just separating Zoe Slater from playing the Bionic Woman I had difficulty with. Anybody want to guess how old uh, Michelle Ryan is currently, as of this day? I'd say, let me get to So that's 07. 41. I reckon 45. Yeah, I'll go same as me, 45. Yeah, I was going to guess that. 39. Really? What? <laughs> Michelle Ryan is really like kind of over at this stage. So what is Michelle Ryan up to these days? Yeah, she hasn't how been seen her. Like, I just cannot yeah. understand for the life of me how she got that gig. Like, where, like, where, why, how? Like, to, like it's so bizarre. She's from that, Enfield. Fucking hell. Is she dying East Enders, Is she dying East Enders? She's certainly never gone back to it, has she? That's what I mean, because she would have been definitely wheeled back. She must have died. I was going to say that. I can't think of anything she'd done after this. But well, you would imagine she would go. She would be in East End. Yeah, I think yeah, she must yeah. be killed off. Let me have a look at that. But on here, like, the last thing he's got her on IMDb is uh, Dark Stories TV series as Frankenstein Legacy, which is in post production as Lady Charlotte and Dragged Up Dirty as Lisa Kendall. So I'm assuming that's some gritty geezer based thing that's going on on here. She was in an episode of Death in Paradise, which I've never seen, which seemed like the greatest acting gig in the world. Let's go to the Caribbean and film a detective series. Yeah, all right. I'm fucking there. Well, boys, she's actually not dead in EastEnders. I'm really shocked she hasn't come back. What yeah, is I, going I on? She, she did audition for the role of Vesper Lind in Casino Royale in 2006 and lost okay. to Eva Green. How different things would have been if she'd gotten that. Mm-hmm. Can't believe yeah. it. She's maybe, she's maybe big time in them at EastEnders. She's maybe, uh, she's maybe too. Oh, Gareth, everyone's come back, mate. Literally every character <laughs> you've ever had has come back. <laughs> Bloody hell! Well, speak, speaking of which, makes a nice little segue into into the soap section. Now we haven't got Brookside. That's dead at this stage, which is shocking. Finished in November two thousand and three, which is all manner of wrong on there. But EastEnders certainly fucking hasn't. Uh, at this point, we're in, um, I want to say, we're, yeah, sep- 3rd of September 2007. And I watched this because I was in my phase of not having a fucking clue who was who at this point in time, like in EastEnders, like not a clue whatsoever. I was watching it. I was I was looking through the, the, the wiki for it as well. And even when I read it out, Kevin wrestles with his conscience over where to report Chelsea and Dino to the police. I had to look up who all three of those people were. Ian Ian Beale is there as well. When obviously, and he's with Lucy at this stage, who is the former babysitter. Is that right? Is that is that that's the point we're at? With, no, with that, that's his daughter. No, no, Lucy's it? daughter. Yeah, Lucy's yeah. the daughter. Sorry, oh, Jane. He's with Jane, who's the original. He's with Jane. At yeah. Right. Okay. He loves himself a babysitter, a child-minded, doesn't he? On that. Sounds very dubious, doesn't it? But yeah, uh, Kevin, by the way, played by Phil Daniels. So we are at that kind of guest spot. We're going to get whichever cock, you know, we're going to get some who can who can do a lovely sort of geezer accent around that neck in the woods. This David is David Essex turns off a few years later, JP, as well. Babs is still there. Samantha Janice is in at this point in time as well. 
I'm just looking at my notes for this episode. How bad is Phil Daniels in this? Oh, his, act, his acting oh, is. It's almost like he's hamming it up, knowing that he's in a soap. But I don't. I'm not convinced he's that good an actor to ham it up like that. It's he sticks out like a sore thumb, which is saying something with the other caliber of actor he's got around. Him. <laughs> yeah, it's weak this roster. At this he's point loved though, Kevin. Now. Kevin's actually remembered as a as a big character though. He's actually well loved in the end. And he kill him off. Yeah, he kill him off. See, this is like I, I'd gone from like watching every single soap. To at this point, I was just like, Corey was the last one standing for me. Like, I dropped off EastEnders probably about two or three years ago. So I was the same as JPE when I was watching this one. I just didn't know who half the fucking people were, like, in it. And then just the acting just stood out for me like a thumb. Like, it was so, it was like a sore thumb. It was so bad. And it, like, like Liam says, Phil Daniels acting in this absolutely absolutely atrocious but i was just sitting there just thinking of the millions of people watching it tuning in to watch it live like five it, million like, mate yeah. watch this episode. did you uh, still getting big numbers did you shed a tear of uh history when you saw the physical vhs being waved around that ah oh, <laughs> took me way back <laughs> like just glory days mate they remember X videos. It's always me that he's watched this video, but it's perfectly rewound back to the beginning as well. Really annoyed me that he was waving that. <laughs> he definitely let it stop and then it just rewound itself, didn't he? <laughs> there's, there's another plot line in this regarding Dot getting on the internet, yeah. which I'm sure was a plot line of an episode we saw in an early episode of Time with, was it... Was it Jim trying to get on the internet or something? Barry? Long time uh, story. That no, we want. Uh, they were going into the shop. Video, where they? Yeah, video, video. <laughs> <laughs> get Bradley in for the family, JP. <laughs> Will she ever get to grips with Bradley's computer? I hope for Bradley's sake, probably not. In, in that case, um, <laughs> would be would be sort of shocking behaviour at this stage. It feels like so it feels like we've lost Phil. At this stage, old Steve McFadden's gone on a bit of an extended break. Doing panto, yeah, doing panto at this stage with the missus. Um, and you're looking at like the cast in this, and you're thinking, okay, we've got Shirley in at this stage, who doesn't really mean anything to me, like in terms of my era of watching EastEnders. Big stars, I think it's more longevity. I think if we're making a WWE comparison, they've slipped into a groove here, haven't they, at this point? Randy Orton, Shirley the Randy Orton. (laughs) Joe Swash in this as well as Mickey Miller as this, well. This hook, that, that hooked me in that though. That was that was the, that was a little bit of plot there. And I was like, who's this girl? You want that girl who she's just like flirting with Swash in the uh, cafe and then gives him his number and then she's flirting with was he called Gus, was he? The, uh, the, yeah. the other lad. She was then like yeah. flirting with him. I was like, what's her game? I was like, why is she just going to like just oh turned up in the square and going around trying to pull every single bloke that's like in her vicinity going and having a conversation with them. And kind of feel like I want to know the outcome to that one so there, there you go there's a little little plot device there We're working for me anyway i don't know if you were the same as me matty but big pop for minty make an appearance ah oh, minty and gary one of the original odd couple tag teams like team hell no legend minty no liam just for pure like i always he feels mate though because when he first came into it he was rock hard really he was like yeah, this yeah, like yeah. gangster type that, that new enforcer, yeah and then he was just a big lovable teddy bear in the end really 
you felt sorry for all the time. Mankind? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, purely. <laughs> did very, he turn up in like Heartbeat or something? Or one of them shows on... No, he did. That the, sounds... The Royal no, he, he, call, no, call the midwife. There we go. There we go. That's why I saw him. As I was Similar like, type of show. Minty. And he was like, yeah, there he is. And there's a place called Minty's Bed Store in Oxford as well. Terrible beds. And it looked like absolute cowboys as well. We never mentioned it, but Yuvraj Singh is a cowboy of a batsman for me. That's a cowboy of a bed sales place. But you're mentioning lovable rogues. And it nicely brings us on to our kind of uh, our last bit of the TV uh, for time as we're, as we're kind of approaching the end. Um, and that's Roy Cropper. Who plays a big part in uh, in this week's episode of uh, of uh, Coronation Street from the twelfth uh, on here? I haven't got the ratings for this as well. I'm assuming it did around eight million or so as well at the same time. On here, we've got Roy snaps at cafe customers and continues to snub Haley. The factory girls notice Roy's unusual behaviour on here. He's having a whole, and then at the end they have a big old kind of hug together because they're both suffering at the at the same time in there. That's sort of the big focus, but there's lots of people on here who I can't quite see. Linda Block. Linda Block from Dream Team. I was waiting for you to mention that, Gareth. When I seen it today, I was waiting for you. I thought he's definitely going to mention that. <laughs> Linda Block, Linda Block. <laughs> but no, also also in this, did you, um, did you see the uh, appearance by... Uh, Michael Stark himself. I, I've got it down in my notes. I, I forgot he was all in this as Jerry. I forgot Jer he was in this, you know. Jerry Morton, who comes in to open up a kebab shop in... Yeah. <laughs> in <Coronation. laughs> that, that was the whole pre premise of him uh, joining the show. There he is. Sinbad. You see, all of my notes about this, I've just, I'm have just, i just calling him Sin on all of them. <laughs> Sinbad in capitals have got, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry in capitals as well. But I'll tell you what, though. Sorry, boys. Can I just say, like, we're talking inflation, like now. Free sausage, free. The factory <laughs> girls ordered free sausage sandwiches in Roy's. Less than a fiver. £4.80 for free sausage. It's oh. unbelievable. Oh, oh I can go, I, I can go, I can go better than that. Um, well, I'm going to shout, pause it there for a second because there's shout, a shocking price behind here. I've got it written down here. Shout out to Andy Ogden, who I'm sure would be loving this. But a full English breakfast, which consists of bacon, egg, sausage, beans, black pudding, tomato, toast, and fried bread, including a pot of tea, £2.95. Mate, transform me back to Oak 7. <laughs> <laughs> £2.70 for a Cumberland sausage looks a bit steep on that board. <laughs> That's three quid for a steak and kidney pie, and it's just like it's That's just got a pie by itself. Chips and bread, that's got it. Roy, Roy won't shortchange you, mate. He'll give you value for money, Roy. Roy's rolls. Roy, Roy's being Roy's being fleeced here. Roy doesn't understand the price of it. In some ways, I wouldn't blame it if you walked in and went, That's too cheap. That's too cheap. That's right. What is wrong with it? Because that's a bit too much on there. On there as well. You can just I'm about sure hot pots for fifty p. Not yeah. fucking at the times like. You're getting a sausage on toast now for the best part of that four pound eighty, aren't you? <laughs> you're lucky if you're getting that. I look at the Tesco's breakfast deal from their cap at five twenty five, and that's not even the big breakfast, which is eight fifty, which is a decent shout, by the way. Should I have to say for that? But yeah, yeah, two ninety five. You know what I like as well, though. 
none of this ash brown stuff in your breakfast day. <laughs> I like, I like Roy. <laughs> what's your, what's your, what's your, what's your views? What's your views on Freud bread, everybody? Yeah, I'll have a go. Just one, just an half or one, though. Not more than that. I'd rather have toast. Yeah, I'd rather have toast, yeah. Of course. This was just talking about the people that we've like bumped into from like other stuff. Just seeing uh, Jason Grimshaw's face on this just reminded me of the time that he pushed in front of me at a Calvary one time, and I'll never forget that ever. It's uh, big, big, big time, and everyone walking straight to the front of the queue in the Calvary that, uh, that, that I was at somewhere. I'll, uh, every time I see his face, I just think, you fucking cunt. Right, so that's him and Rich Steve Redgrave on the naughty list now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh. so, Preferred Francis yeah. Rothley. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, my notes in this. Um, one of these actors that appears in this episode uh, appear, appeared in a film called Submerge with Steven Seagal. Any clues who that was? Who's in this whole show? I think it's Roy show. Cropper, but it really <laughs> won't be, will it? Uh, or Tyrone, for that matter. Is it going to be uh, Jack and Vina's like, grandson? Is it him? Nope. He turns up. Uh, no. Kelly Crabtree? No, it is actually Linda Block herself, Alison oh. King, is in that film. Which I'm surprised you haven't seen, Matty. Linda Block <laughs> yeah. and, and Steven Seagal in the same film. I should, I should be able to, I should have seen that. JP, you know what to do with that, mate. In the drive, mate. Okay, I think I don't well, submerge. Okay. Can I, I can, can I say one that. thing as well? When uh, Ashley and Kevin are having a heart to heart with a can in the air, in the air, in, in the, the NP. Yeah, in the giggle, there you go. I loved it. Like, Ashley, like, this is, this just shows you. Ashley's like, you know, and he's comparing it's like, he, he's hoping and wishing. He said, you know, my marriage might come together. It's like Man City might win anything. And I think, if only he knew what they'd win over the next fucking 16 years. He'd be bored. Like. <laughs> He'd be loving it all, Ashley, wouldn't he? He'd resent it. <laughs> this is nice for that. Shifty ex Thai prime minister comes in, isn't it? And nearly kind of bankrupts the place as well. Isn't it? Have we gone past that at this stage? No, that's that's before. But I always thought it was he referenced City and United, but their local team was the county, weren't it? Was that yeah. meant to be Stockport or was it just their own Weatherfield County? Was I'm sure it was Weatherfield County, yeah. but you could reference fucking City and like Wolford so. Rovers with Sean yeah. Maguire playing for us. <laughs> They got him over from Ireland, and I thought well, this didn't say much about the League of Ireland standard because he's not even playing anywhere. Like, I was good over there, was he? Why is he playing pub football then? It's just fucking shocking behaviour. But does it? Does anybody think both Coronation Street and EastEnders is just lacking of stars? There's just like it's just a bit turgid, isn't it? It's there's no excitement. Now, what do you mean? Do you mean now? No, I just mean these two episodes that we watched. Oh, these two. So you're yeah. just lacking big stars. That's like there's no like big storyline through line through the whole episodes. And like you're like Vera's, your Jacks, your Mike Bets, Baldwin. Steve, your Mike yeah, Baldwin, Steve. yeah, Steve. Steve. Not, yeah. Not, they're, all, they're all just missing. You've got Sinbad brought into the territory for a bit of star power. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> jumped over <laughs> from world class to uh, Memphis or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does a six month does a six month run, but he's stayed there as a. <laughs> Not doing no jobs on the way out though, he's just in bad, he's just going right. He's with the equivalent <laughs> of Eric Embry and then back us off. <laughs> <laughs> Putting no one over. Oh, 
it's, it's like it's it's like dev dev appears to be like a kind of like consider you know he's got that kind of longevity and the rest of it he like he means nothing to me as like a um as a as a character in oh, dev in had Corrie. a few big storylines though the one where yeah. remember Mad Shag Maya Deidre. yeah Deidre. well that's huge yeah <laughs> but the one where Mad Maya used to went round all his uh, shops and blew them all up and the last yeah. one was obviously the one on Weatherfield that was a big storyline that. Love that. That was good. That yeah, yeah. Mad Maya. Yeah, that was uh, what she was known as. Anybody remember record shops? <laughs> <laughs> they were great, weren't they? The best. Oh, Dev, look, just get. I've, I actually took a screenshot. Look at Dev's wig at the back, though, when he turns around in a minute. Watch. Just wait till he turns side on. It's unbelievable stuff. I sent it to one of my group chats before. <laughs> just fucking amazing. Reading Golfing Life as well. <laughs> one of my favourite Dev, one of my all-time characters in Corrie. Like, just wait here. It's coming. Video views. you got to wait for this one. He just gives a little turn to the side in a minute. He can't be advertising that tobacco in 2023, can he? He can't be having that at all. Not allowed. More, in the I was more drawn to those melodies. Here we go, look. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> what a fella. Brilliant stuff. And that brings us to the end of time, lads. That takes us to the end of TV, not to the end of time. end of time. That's it. It takes us to the end of the television section of time, which then in turn takes us to the end of time generally. Not like, you know, not as a concept. Again, I'm not going all Stephen Hawking, which I feel is a joke that I've run. Christopher Nolan, JP, you've seen him too long. I really yeah, there's no linear. Well, normally I think we go for a nice straightforward linear narrative, don't we, when we record one of these? But yes, um, brilliant job, lads. Absolutely oh, loved it. Even if love it as always, but... large swathes of 2007, certainly September, is like a fucking weird haze. We're going for, back in time for the next haze. one, boys. We're going. If you'd ask me about. It, I'm sure if we got CBBS up from September 2007, <laughs> I'd have been all over that shit. I'd have had it completely down <laughs> pat as well. Was it that 74 Zoo Lane or whatever it was? Oh, yeah. and the rest of it. There it is. Get it back. That's where the real action was on that <laughs> as well. We didn't have probably, yeah. yeah, see, I think we had CBBC as well at, at that stage, didn't we? So, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's get let's go backwards. This is a this is as close to modern day as I like to get. Yeah, we're going back again. We'll go back the old seven years. We'll go back and then seven and seven and then go back at seven and seven. That's what we'll do. That that's the, the script. Well, that program with now. all those people getting old and how their lives never turned out where the way it wanted to. And Michael Apted, I'm sure, is dead at this stage trying to film them. I'm sure most of them are dead. Not that always no JP. As always, anyone listening, you know, leave comments what you were up to in 07, any memories of what we've talked about, any memories yep. we forgot. But and once again, thank you to Liam for putting this list together, Liam. You're in charge of the list every single time, mate. That's your uh, duty, and we look and you forward to brilliant job. job. Yeah, love Thank it so boys. much. I enjoy it every, every time. Great stuff. Absolutely loved it. So I don't know if has anyone got any any plugs or anything else they want to say? No, I you, JP. Well, because it's not a patron show, I can say it normally. Bye. Ta-da. So, yeah. So, yeah.